this episode, we start a business and kill our customers. We discuss the future of adventure games, and we do a five-for-five finale when we decide to vacation in Slaughterville. Tabcast episode 53. I am Fred and I'm joined by Nicole. Hello. And Nicole, what is the creepiest place you have ever slept? Like actually slept? Yeah. (laughs) Where have you slept? I can't think of any place creepy. I don't stay in creepy places if I can avoid them. Right. I mean, probably if I had to pick a place, it'd be when we went to... uh, Where? When we went to Cedar Point. And on the way there, we stayed in that creepy little hotel that was like behind the Denny's. Right. On the ground floor. Uh-huh. And there were like people in the parking lot doing, I don't even know, drug deals. I don't know. They were just creepy in general. And, but that wasn't creepy. I, didn't, like, I don't remember people doing drug deals. I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> in your mind, they were doing drug deals. In my mind, deals. they were doing drug deals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the creepiest place I ever slept. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've slept in the woods a lot. I don't know if I was ever really creeped out. Yeah, I don't sleep in the woods. You know, I think I know. The creepiest place I ever slept, I, I mean, and this isn't even a big deal because people do this all the time, was I slept overnight in, uh, in, in like several nights at Philmont High Adventure Camp with Boy Scouts, and every night we had to put up bear bags. That you is know? creepy. And the, the creepiest thing was just the idea that, that some bear might smell your deodorant through your tent and smash through because he wanted to find out if he could eat that deodorant. Gross. You can't eat deodorant. That's the real deal. I mean, Just they, tell they, the bears. They tell you, I mean, you have to put it up there because bears will eat The it. deodorant? Yes. Why? <laughs> I'm telling you because bears are like... It smells fruity or something? Anything. Anything that smells like that it might be delectable, they'll just eat. Yep. That's... No, nope, <clears throat> well, I'm not going so every camping. So every night down the, the trail from our campsite... There's this wire strung between two trees that's about 30, 40 feet in the air. And you would you would sling a rope up over the top of it and, and drag a bag of all the stuff that smelled good and all your food and stuff and tie it off to the tree. Weird. Weird, right? Yeah. That's probably the creepiest I ever slept was over. It was probably in Philmont Scout, like Scout Camp. I did sleep in the Rocky Mountains one time, too. That was pretty creepy. Yeah, we we just visited into the Rockies, like right. just drove in, watched yeah. some stars. And that was pretty creepy because you could hear the wolves howling and stuff. Yeah, there's wild ones. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, you're in the mountains, of course. Right. But I wouldn't sleep there. That's why I go back to town, get in my nice little hotel room and order The creepiest service. hotel I ever <laughs> slept in was on the south side of Nashville. That was creepy. I wasn't there for that. That one was just like I checked in and I paid with cash and it was just we were on our way back from Florida trucking again and it was for just work. filthy. It's so gross. Filthy. It's so gross. Was that the one where the bed broke or whatever? <laughs> yeah, my, my my coworker Jared jumps on the bed, and the bed frame was just built out of four like uh, two by sixes, just sort of stapled together, and one of them fell off the side, 
And he was like, I was like, do we call down and see if somebody wants to repair this? And he, <laughs> he was kind of an animal. <laughs> Jared wasn't. He's just like, no. And he just rips the bed, <laughs> the bed box out and smashes it and lays it in a pile of wood in the corner. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. That's the creepiest places we've ever stri- uh, stayed. But uh, let's uh, let's find out what got played. We like to game with gods, we like to game with dice, so this is what we say. But when the chips were gone and the sun came up, hey, let's see what God played. All right, Nicole. We played a few games here, which is surprising because I've had a really busy January. Yes, you have. Like I had one day off in the entire month of January, so. Yeah. Or in the last four weeks. So. Yeah. Been, been been playing a lot. No. <laughs> um, so the first thing we got to the table, and it's it's sitting here on the table still, <clears throat> is it's not laid out. It's in the box. Is the bloody inn right? Which the, is why we were talking about the creepiest place we <clears throat> ever slept. Right. Now, on that note, we're in Kansas City area. Yeah. And Kansas City did have. Remember the old urban legend about the people renting the hotel room, and they keep smelling something just kind of not right. And What's that? It, it just, not right. just smelled. What does it stink? Sick. Ew. Is it what gross? What is that smell? What is this? And then come to find out, there's someone buried in the bed, like in the mattress, de- decomposing. You're saying that we had the the real version. We of had that. the real version of that. Right, we did. Yeah, like what? Few, just maybe two or three years ago. Right. We had the real version ago. of body stashed in bed. Right. <laughs> so now we're every time they talk about urban legends that really happened, they always go straight to that. They've they put it on all the the lists of be proud of Kansas City. I know. We had a dead hooker in the in the bed. <laughs> I don't know if it was a hooker. I think she was a hooker. Well, I'm sorry. It's a dangerous profession. It is. Um, <clears throat> bloody in. Now, there's no hookers in the bloody end game. Is the good not. news, uh, but there are dead bodies. Yes, there are. Uh, in you this have to game, get rid of them. It, it's got kind of an interesting theme. It's dark. Just brace yourselves right now because this game, you are you all work at the bloody end. The bloody end is one hotel or inn that that you all the players work at, and each one of you is given access or control of one of the rooms where you have. You're the one who has the key to that room, and you're the one who can rent that room. Okay. Rent that room out. <clears throat> right. But here's the deal. You're all trying to make the most money. And simply renting your room out and having people stay the night doesn't make you very much money. In fact, it makes you $1 per night for every guest that leaves the hotel that's in one of your rooms. That's a cheap hotel. Which is fine. But when you make the most money is murdering people and taking their money. <laughs> that's typically <clears throat> true. Right. Now, so the thing is about this is this is... This game's really cool. You got this you got this board. It's a real simple board that shows the bloody end and it just shows a bunch of doors and you put different color keys on them to represent who owns each of the doors. But then you get a deck of of uh of cards that you can play like or you get you get guys who play into each room. And do you, do you have a deck of a hand of cards? You don't have remember. No, you don't have a hand of Well, yeah, you do have a hand of cards. Right. Cuz you but you have to I can't remember. It's we played it like once, and I slept since then. I know you're not going to help me at all. In this I'm one. not going to help you. So at all. here's the deal. Um, tell me all about it, Fred. You get this large deck of cards, and every card is you have a bunch of different types of cards. You've got police cards, you've got merchants, you've got craftsmen, and you have religious people. And each one of those different types of cards helps you do something different in the game because there's a process to murdering people in the hotel. Not only are you, well, you getting random get guests checked into each one, but if you you need to you need to not only murder someone which takes a certain number of cards from your hand to 
murder, you'll have to play a certain number of assets, basically. And what you have in your hand to start with is you have these little lackeys, like these, uh, they're peasants is what they are. Right. And they'll do anything for money and they don't talk to anybody. They don't care. But, uh, and they, they're also recyclable. So they, they kind of come like back. They Because like, what are the actions you can take? Every turn you get to take like uh, two actions, isn't it? I think, yeah. And uh, one of them can be returning peasants to your hand. And these peasants just sort of act as an action. So, like, uh, what you're doing is you're, you're murdering cards, and then you're going to hide the bodies somewhere. And these cards are multi-purpose, sort of like Motainai cards or whatever. They have they have a purpose of being a guest that simply stays in the room and gets you a dollar at the end of the game. They have at the end of the round, right? At the end of the round, <laughs> they have the purpose of. <coughs> Sorry, they have the purpose of becoming a building that you can build that gives you some sort of asset later. They have the purpose of becoming a bribable person that you can put into your hand and use them once bribed. And when you put either, them on the table, you can use them uh, to become a. Well, they some either sort of help a, you with uh, killing for less money, or right. they don't leave your hand when you use them to help kill someone, right. or to help bury a body, or they don't leave your hand when you when you have to use them to bury a body, etc. Right. Um, so they can also they they can become a building. That you right. hide bodies, and then you can do all this these things with these one type of cards. <clears throat> so, in, and specifically, like she said, policemen on, and lawmen will act as they have a little gun symbol. Those people help you kill people, and if you use them for that purpose, like you don't use them to build a building, you use them to murder someone. They come back to your hand, and they stay there once bribed. So you can just keep recycling them to the table for an action and back into your hand again. Right. <clears throat> and they reduce, like I said, they reduce, or they, they basically make it so you don't technically spend a card to kill someone. You spend them and they just stay in your hand. Um, merchants, I can't remember what they do. They're just worth extra points, I think. They're worth tons of points and they do some other stuff. Uh, craftsmen will help you build buildings out of cards that are on the table. Um, or cards from your hand, because you have to play cards from your hand. You have to bribe someone and then you can use them either for their purpose once they're in your hand or you can use them as a building. Uh, they help you will build those. You build those for less points, for less cards spent. Uh, and religious people will help you bury people for less cards because basically each uh, each building you build has a rating of zero to two. I think is what it is. That is how many cards you have to spend to build it. That's how many cards you have to spend to bury someone there, and that's also how many bodies are going to be, hit, be able to be hidden there as well. Right, is all that same number. So if you build a building <laughs> that is a zero. Right. It's, it's just, it, it'll have some sort of other ability that'll help you. All the to buildings do have an effect. Yeah. But that's the only thing that it's going to give you is the right. effect. It's not going to let you, you can't bury anybody there. So it's semi useless. Right. So this game kind of plays like this. I mean, it does play a certain number of rounds. <clears throat> I think you just play out the deck twice, is what it is. So you're going to go through the bloody end deck all the way through twice or two times. I think you're going to remove game cards at the start of the game if you have less than the full amount of players as well. Yeah, but the uh, you do you go through the deck twice, and at the end of the second time you go through the deck, you're going to count up all the points for bodies like that you have uh, or all the money you have uh, in the bank, which you have you can collect money every turn and put in the bank. Remember, there was weird check things where you could There's write yourself checks, checks yeah. to get more so money can, like, than the bank, right? Because you can, for an action, you can put money in the bank, or you can, you know, cash checks, or you can take checks out of the bank as an action. And there's like this; it's just kind of a weird system because well, you can because only you get can, up to thirty dollars. Because you can like have the these game. checks, but yeah, you can only get up to forty dollars on the board. Right. So if you're going to go over that, you're going to lose money just because you didn't 
take us, you didn't spend a turn to turn that into a check. You're basically laundering your money. Right. <laughs> so it's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And if you don't do that, well, you're just going to miss out. Right. And at the end the of the points. game, they're just gonna, you're just going to find out who has the most money. And and I think there's some tiebreakers based on how many bodies you buried and stuff like that. Yeah. And that, that's all fine. But uh, it's a little bit of a confusing game <clears throat> to wrap your head around because. One turn, you know exactly how to play it. Right. But I mean, just to, trying to explain it to somebody, it's not a really natural feeling game because who goes around just killing people at this inn and. Who's going to stay there in the first place when everybody just disappears? I mean, I don't care how cheap it is. That hotel was super cheap, and I would not stay there again. Knowing then, knowing now what I knew then. Oh, no, I buried, knowing then you, what in I knew my, now, I buried no. you in my annex. You're going to stay here forever. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so basically, I mean, it's quite simple. People come into the hotel. You decide if you're going to bribe them or kill them or let them stay. That's your choices. Mm -hmm. You get two actions to do that stuff. At the end of the turn, this is the one big catch. If you murder someone and you haven't hidden the body, which is an action. So you could, in one turn, you could technically murder someone and hide them. Those Uh those would be your two actions for that turn. If there's a body in front of you and there's still cops there, you have to pay off the cops to make it so they don't arrest you. Right. And you'll lose the body as well. Right. So that you, you want to basically keep you have this balance of like murdering cops <laughs> or bribing them into your into your, your control and burying bodies. But yeah. play, I think I, I got to say <laughs> for a ridiculous little box that just that I mean, it doesn't look like much on the shelf. No, but I think it plays really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed playing it. Right. The only thing I don't like about it. What? The art. I like the art. I don't like the art at all. The art reminds me um, a lot of the grizzled. No, I don't agree. To me. It's like, I don't know. It's just kind of. It's rough. It's kind of ugly. I don't know. I like it because it's kind of ugly. Yeah. It's not like anything else I have. That's true. (laughs) Um, I think the game's pretty good, though. I think it plays really fun. I think the it's another one of these multi-use card games where you're just surprised at, at how much how much, you know, how hard of choices you have to make every turn. And there's a lot of choices right. that come out of this every turn. I don't think it's cut and dry. I think it's, there's a, there's a nice strategy to it. And I think there's like a, a really fun flow to it, you know, and, and, and what you get out of the game at the end is kind of surprising. Cause it seems, you know, you're, you're forced with the, you know, faced with these like sort of impossible odds every turn. And you're constantly trying to puzzle out how you hide this body or who you're going to, kill this turn and, and sometimes you're just like murdering you're, you've got a body you can't stash and you can't quite get this annex built and so you have to murder another cop in order to <laughs> not get caught and so there's these weird moments that, that make that game really fun it's interesting i liked it right that's the bloody inn both of us recommend that game yeah definitely that's a good one <clears throat> next up we played lanterns didn't we we did because we knew we would never five for five this Right. Or played on a podcast this is a game, it's very, very visual. It's been out for a while, but we saw it at Gen Con, and you, you almost got talked into buying it then. Yeah. <laughs> but then... Uh, well, I'd, I'd heard quite a bit of good things about it right. uh, anyway, and so I just kind of watched a demo of it at Gen Con. Right. And had him talk about it a little bit that way, and you got like some bonus piece or something, which, uh-huh. whatever. I didn't care about that so much. Right. But yeah, you're right. I, I came close to buying it, but I just didn't. And then finally, they had like some mega sale at me- Barn- me- mega sale at Barnes and Noble. I had like a fifty percent <laughs> off coupon, so I went ahead and bought it there. Yeah, fifty percent off. Yeah, 
Um, so this is a tile placement game. Um, you've got like a little hand of tiles and they have each tile has basically four sides. Like they're little square tiles and they've been cut in half like with an X, you know, to make four quadrants on there, you know, from corner to corner cut across. Right. Um, and you've got like a start tile on the middle of the board and you're trying to match up these colors on the tiles that you place with the colors that are already on the board. If you do, you get little uh, firework cards or whatever they are (coughs) that match these little tiles. Little color cards. Right. And ultimately what you're doing is putting these things down, trying to collect a number of cards that match colors, and you're trying to play them in certain sets to get point chips. That's what you're doing. Right. So um, you do have a couple of uh, token, like you get these like weird like little... There's like little token-y kind of symbols on some of these. And if you play a card with a little statue on, on your card next to a little statue or whatever that little symbol is, they, they were various symbols. But yeah, there was like a little dragon anything. and there was They really else. didn't mean anything specific other than if you play a tile next to one. had a little special one, thing in the middle of the tile yeah. then, and you were able to place it so that the color matched. Then you also got this other special token and you can use these tokens, right. like two tokens to exchange one of your color cards for a different color card. Right. Uh, so... I mean, basically, you're just playing these in, in there, and you're just trying to get a set of these little cards, and then you get these little point chips. And the point chips are for a set of four, uh, for three pairs of colors, like a set of four of one color, uh, three pairs of, of three different colors or whatever, three colors. Three pairs of, of different, yeah, so two of this color, two of this right. that, that color, and two of another color. And then you color. have one of all seven colors. That was, yeah, one of each, car, uh, each color. <clears throat> right, and in this game, again, you just play the tiles out. As soon as the tiles are done, you... Count up your point chips, and whoever has the most wins. Right. Um, it was closer than I thought it was going to be, too. Like, I really felt like I was doing a, a bang-up job. That's then, funny, because I honestly thought I was beating you so badly. Yeah. But who won that game? I think you did. Yeah, I won that game. But it wasn't by much. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was pretty. It was a lot closer than I thought. But I started off better than you did. And Right. Now, this this the artwork for this looks a lot. It reminds me a lot of the Hanabi card game. Yeah. It's it's very similar, and it's a very similar theme. You're playing, you're, you're basically making, are, are you doing a garden or are you doing fireworks? They're lanterns. Right, but there's like some sort of like tribute. That's what they kept calling it when you turn in a set. You right, make a proper tribute. It's then, something something with the lanterns. You like, they have like a, I don't know. I'm, what was that cartoon? One of the cartoons, was it Tangled? <laughs> They were, they were, you're, you're, you're going to lose me at cartoons. Okay, so Disney cartoons. <laughs> you no, lost in, me completely untangled. at Disney cartoons. She, she got uh, kidnapped, <laughs> and so they ended up having like a lantern ceremony because they thought she was dead. I don't know. I thought, I think it's something to do with that. Weird. Okay, so they, well, maybe they it has something these, to do with these, that. These lanterns, they put a little candle in the middle right. of it and it floats up into the air. <laughs> Thus, it's called lanterns. So it's not about fireworks; it's about lanterns. Okay. Well, it is. It is still making about about making little colored light displays. <laughs> right. The other thing I'll say about this game, though, is yes, it it hinges on all these different colors. Right. But it's the artwork on it is done in such a way that each lantern looks different. Okay. Um. So like the little orange ones may be like a little square with a little X in the middle. And then the white ones might be a little swirl. Right. And then the blue ones are like three dots or whatever. I mean, that's not exactly how they are, but they're they're Even if you are uh, colorblind, you could potentially still play this fairly easily with just looking at the shapes and matching the shapes, Cool. which I thought was really nice. Yeah. So this is like, uh, I mean, it's, it's a fun little game. I didn't think it was bad. It, you didn't have 
any expectations. You thought you were going to hate it. Right. And then you ended up enjoying it. I didn't think I was going to hate it, but I was like... you didn't think you were going to like it. I wasn't going to like say, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to play that again. I'm definitely going to play this again. Yeah. This game is fun. It's, I'd say, uh, a really appropriate lunchtime game, to be quite honest. It's quick to teach, too. I mean, I think, didn't we say that uh, we ended up learning it and playing it in less than an hour? Yeah. Like, we learned it and played it in 45 minutes, which means the next game would have been 30. Right, exactly. Which is great. Which is perfect lunchtime kind of thing. And it, I mean, it, is it just a two-player game or it can play like no, a four, right? No, you can play up right? to four. Yeah. Yeah. Lanterns. Not not a bad little tile game. It's kind of, it's a bit abstract. It plays a bit abstract. It's you're definitely gonna, an abstract game. You're not going to feel much theme coming through in this. I mean, honestly. Well, unless you, you pay you know, attention to the fact that they're lanterns. <laughs> you're, you're, I know. You're playing, <laughs> co- you're playing tiles that match colors that get you colored cards that you turn into get colored points. Right. So, I mean, it's not bad. Pretty good little game. Not, you know, at least uh, the, the most I'd say that the decisions aren't hard in this game, but the there be. is there's a bit of agonizing as you're playing the game because you're like, I oh, bet if you had more players, I can't get this color matching with that color and this. Right. And you're always trying to go for more than one color after the first couple turns. You're always trying to get a double color, you know? Well, yeah. But like if you were playing <laughs> with four people, then it'd be a lot more strategic because you, th- you might be trying to set this tile down. But if I set it here and I'm going to get two color cards off of it because I'm matching these colors, but my opponent's going to get one that's going to make their their next tribute, you don't want to do that. You'd rather not take a second color right. card right. than give them the There's one that they There's a little bit need. of player blocking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. I forgot to mention, when you lay a tile down, you not only get the color that matches the tile next to it, but you also get the color of the tile you place down of the, the side, side that faces you. Facing you, right. And, they, and the opponent gets the color of the tile that, they, that faces them. Right. So Everybody gets the of color of the tile that's facing them. Puzzle fact that's going out there. Right. Pretty good. Lanterns. I recommend that game too. Absolutely. I don't. I'm not unhappy to have that for sure. Uh, last game we played uh, is Karma. Now, this was a Barnes and Noble discount. Clearance discount. Seventy five percent off clearance discount. Right. This is this is a this box just looks boring as can be laying in the bin, and you were like, "Would you play this with me?" And I was like, "I'll play any game that you pick up." And we played it. Yeah. It only took six months to get to it, but yeah. <clears throat> I know. We, should, we shouldn't have waited. We should have ripped that Band-Aid off right away, right? <laughs> <laughs> I would say Karma is a one of these numbered card games, and this is there's a lot of games like this, like Can't Stop. It's a numbered card game, you know. Can't Stop? Yeah. Or not no. Can't Stop. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no Thanks. It's ah, a card, yes, numbered okay. card game. Uh, so anyways... This is one of these ones. The numbered cards are 1 to 16. Uh, there's also some of these just sprinkled in, these cards that are karma cards that do stuff like uh, move the bottom card of the of the discard pile to the top and force a discard uh, force the discard pile to be taken or to play a card of five or less. Those are the kind of, I think, the three mechanics I remember. There's another one, too. There was the uh, play a card from the table. Okay, right. So in this game, what you're doing is trying to run out of cards. You're trying to run out the draw deck and these six or these three piles of two cards each that are sitting in front of you. And the reason they're three, they're three two card piles is you have to play the card off of all the tops of the piles before you can play the cards off the bottoms and the cards on the bottoms are face down cards on top are face up. <coughs> you get a hand of three cards and you start playing them to the discard pile. You have to play a card every turn that is higher in value or equal to in value of the card that's on top of the discard pile. Right. And that's the entire game. So if there's a two, you have to play a two or higher. Right. If there's a seven, you have to play right. a seven or higher. Um, <laughs> whoever runs out of, out of cards on the table and out of the deck, once the deck is depleted, wins. 
You uh, can't play anything off the table until you've depleted your <coughs> and de- until you've depleted your hand. Right. And after if you're if you've got less than three cards, you have to draw a card up into your hand. Right. Unless you get one of those play from the table cards, and then you can play one of them from your table deck. Right. Leaving your hand as it is. Right. So. <clears throat> This game, uh, I'm just going to describe it. We played it. We just played just 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 like yesterday or day before yesterday. Something so, like that. Um, as you're playing the game, you start off and you have just three apiece, and you kind of are growing this discard pile as you go. Well, this this plays a little bit. It feels a little bit like spades or like those kind of set playing games. You know, where you're kind of where once you have control of the hand that you're on, it's kind of hard for other people to get the control back. Sort of like when we played. Uh, Oh, what was that game we just played where it had bombs in it? Haggis. In Haggis, we had those those little wild cards where we Uh could play bombs that would force the control of the hand back to you. Well, it kind of it gives you that kind of feel where you're not where you're just like spiraling out of control and you can't do anything about it. Because once you get to a certain middle of the point, middle point of the deck, because the deck is like 60 cards. Once you get to the middle of that deck and someone pulls like you finally hit a dead end where you can't play a card that's over it and you don't have any karma cards to change the current configuration of that deck and you get stuck with that hand at the wrong time. And I feel like if we played it again, it would probably be just like this. Suddenly you have 30 cards and your opponent has three. I think you missed telling explaining that part. So if you're in on your play on your turn, if you can't play a card that is equal to or higher than the card in the discard. Mm -hmm. The top card, you have to take the entire discard deck into your hand. Right. I don't so think you sudden, said that. Okay, I probably didn't. But suddenly, you'll find yourself, and you'll have a 30-card deck, and your opponent will have three. a three-card deck. And so now, you're trying to play their cards out, and you can kind of manipulate them with this deck, but you have to build up 30 more cards for them to even be in the same wheelhouse as you. And they keep jumping yeah. the steps so fast that you're playing out barely any cards in your deck, and if your opponent is smart and holds on to karma cards, they can constantly keep forcing you into these bad issues and they're getting all the new cards off the deck and forcing you to go through those cards too fast. Even though you have, you're supposed to have more options, it just I felt helpless from the middle of that game. I think there was part of the strategy that you'd kind of glossed over too. Like when you were trying to uh and it may not have helped, it may not have changed anything. Right. But we had like the you had a huge deck of cards right. in your hand and I had like a three. Okay. But then you had the opportunity where you could have been playing those uh play cards from the table. Right. So here's but, here's the problem. The, the cards that are on the table that are face down, you don't know what they are. You have to blindly if you if you're able to play one of them, you have to just flip right. it over and hope for the best okay. that it's gonna be higher than or equal to. Well let me explain the strategy from the loser's standpoint. But you didn't you could have played that card when I played it down like I had a one out there. So you play that then and then you could have you could have guaranteed played okay. one of your cards well, out but of your Let me explain what it's like to be in the loser's seat during the middle of that game. I've got to get you to take the discard pile to get any kind of headway back. If I have 30 cards in my hand, you need to have 30 cards in your hand. But if you're, if you're, because you cannot play the ones off the table until your hand is empty. Right. Or unless you're playing those cards. So if you're able to get your table completely empty, even if I just have a few cards, but your table's empty and mine's not, you stand a better chance of winning than I do because I've got just a couple cards in my I hand. I still don't to play see from, that I would have won that I game. And I still have to be able to get rid of these blindly, you know, blind I wouldn't cards. have won the game still. 
I think you might have come back. I don't think so. Well, I don't think you tried. I did. I did. Because I was trying to give you cards back. I'm going to make you play this with me one more time. It's awful. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's awful. I did not have fun at, at that game. It was terrible. Karma is a terrible you, game. Yeah, well, you still, you have a habit of, if you if I pick it up quicker than you do, and I beat you, you hate it. No, I, th- I think that there's, there is a, a, a light switch moment in the middle of that game where the deck is, where that discard is going to build so far that if you get that, that unlucky moment where they draw the right card or they have the right thing that they've saved the whole game and you don't have a response for it, you're done. I think you could change your strategy and try and get rid of your table cards first and have a darn good chance of winning. No, this game sucks. <laughs> I didn't say it was a great game. I'm just saying. It felt like the game became pointless the, for me in the middle of the game. And I, as much as I tried, the most I got back with you was 10 whole cards and I still had like 40 in my hand. Mm-hmm. That's the most I ever came back because I, I, it just seemed like every time I would get to a point where I was going to be able to do something against you or be able to get some cards back in your hand, because I could give you four cards. I could do that anytime I wanted, uh-huh. but I didn't want you to have four cards. I have 40. What's four cards in your hand going to do for me? Nothing. I don't know. It may have screwed me over. I don't <laughs> no. know. You didn't try. No. So I could never get you to take even close to 10 cards. You would just go, oh, no, you don't. I have a, I've I got a I drew a karma card that you haven't seen yet and you have to play this and you can't so you get all these cards back. Okay, now I'm curious if anybody else got suckered in, bought that for seventy five percent off, awful. and has a different opinion. So I don't recommend know. this game at all. It, it, yeah, I don't recommend. I, it I think if you if you if you're going to get this game, if this game sounds fun to you at all, just buy Uno. If you see it for like Uno's three bucks, well, you and, can't and play the strategy's Uno. better. Uno, you can't play Uno <laughs> with two players, though, can you? I don't know. I just know that Uno is better in every way than this game, well, <laughs> and it's the same feeling. I don't know. Just saying. Eh. Uno it. I think it's worth $3 if you have somebody that will play it with you or if you want to take it to work and play it at lunch or something. (laughs) (laughs) I bleh your face. That's karma. Karma, cheap game. I don't like it. Nicole seems to, for some reason, in in hindsight, want to play it it again. No, I didn't think it was (laughs) terrible. I didn't think it was nearly as bad as you thought it It was. It wasn't fun. It wasn't bad. It wasn't fun. I I barely had any choices great. every turn. I just didn't want to play. You any just of them. didn't think you had any choices. Okay. Anyways, that's karma, and we disagree <laughs> completely on it. Don't listen to her. I'm telling you right now. Do not. <laughs> so this week uh, we played a horror adventure game called Slaughterville, and now we go back into that town as we play our final game in our five for five finale. Jeez. Uh, so this week we played Slaughterville. Now, Slaughterville is a cooperative adventure game. It's set in a small town of Slaughterville. Now, don't confuse this with Slaughterville, Oklahoma. <laughs> we found out that's really a place. Yeah, and it's named after the gentleman whose last name was Slaughter, not any incident that happened there. And mind you, this is not Mark Slaughter of the band Slaughter. <laughs> No. Now, uh, Slaughterville is beset by one of ten different villains, and players receive a character card that depicts their likeness of the... And, uh, not their likeness of whoever the player is, but whoever the player... The character's likeness is. <laughs> this card looks just like me. Yeah. I know. Where'd they get this? Uh, it gives you your name, five statistics that determine how many dice you will roll one check in combat. 
<laughs> agility, will, and observation. The fifth stat gives you your hit points, and if you ever receive wounds that are equal to that or superseding that, you're eliminated. And you heard me right. You're out of the game. Go make a sandwich out of tears. <laughs> the villain you pick... Salty. <laughs> I know. The villain you pick will determine the goals and the rule changes to the play of the game. For instance, some villains will require you to save a certain amount of townspeople. Others will require you to have some sort of WWE showdown with them at the end of the game. <laughs> now, the last thing you do after setup is and getting your character... Uh, to set up after getting your character is uh, and the villain is to build Slaughterville from a deck of 12 locations. You wait until this point because some villains have specific locations that you have to use. Now, each location will come with its own special rule, and uh, it also has its own explore deck. Additionally, the villain has its, its own location where you get to place the villain's unique deck, and the players have their own location, the Slaughterville entrance. Both of these are sort of safe zones from the other, one of the, one of the other. Right. On your turn, as a player, you get to take two actions from Explore, Move, or Heal. Now, unless you're engaged with an enemy, moving is simply done by picking up your pawn and placing it on the desired location. Uh, if you're engaged, an escape roll will be necessary, and that's just rolling your, your agility dice to try to hit a five or a six, which is how all skill checks are done in this game. Right. Uh, exploring allows you to draw a card from the top of the location deck or, or location that you're at. Uh, these cards could be an enemy, unique opportunity, useful item, or helpful ally, and most of them come with another check to roll a five or a six on some certain stat. Right. Uh, healing can only be done at the entrance to Slaughterville. Now, this is done by doing a D3 roll and healing that many hit points. Now, after each player has acted, the villain has his turn. The villain has a uh, turn is unique to each villain, but will always include a draw from their deck, which also represents their hit points in the game. If their deck ever runs out, technically you have defeated the villain. Uh, the deck is always bad for the players, and, and the villains will attack the players, kidnap allies, power up, or heal themselves. Now, after the villains act, the players will begin their next turn, and play continues until the end game condition is reached. This condition, of course, changes every single villain. So gear up, recruit, lo recruit the locals, and give the villain all you have, because Slaughterville needs a hero, and you are in it. Oh, you're in it. You're it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our fifth uh, game of Slaughterville here, and we took on the cannibal rednecks. So, Nicole, the hills have eyes in this episode. Final game, we're doing the cannibal rednecks. And just so you know, we guys, we restarted because I died in... And we wasted on 10 minutes and I turn. died on my first turn. <laughs> and this does have player elimination. So at that point, you were just going to be listening to Nicole play the game for 30 minutes. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, and nobody wants that. But you, what else did we miss? What? Fun game quote. Fun movie quote. Okay, this is, uh, we're playing against the cannibal rednecks. That Fred doesn't even care about. <laughs> That's not even that much fun. Um, let's see. It is, uh, these guys are going to collect allies. We have six locations. The farm has to be in play. The farm, the cemetery, the church, the forest, the asylum, and the general store are all in play. And if they get one ally from each of those spots, they get to engage us in final combat and try to kill us. Um, no, they win. Is no, what you it said? says no. I did not. It says they engage us in final combat. Hmm. Okay. Is that the um, same as Mortal Combat? Yes. <clears throat> the flavor text for this says it's a time of year when the families get together to celebrate their shared relationship. It's no different in Slaughterville. One family wants to share their reunion by having everyone for dinner, literally. This band of rambunctious rednecks is looking to spice up their reunion by adding a variety of meats from all over town. 
And I am the first player again, and I'm going to, or do you want to go first? Why don't you let me go first since you ruin things, ruiner Whoa. of things. <laughs> okay, Nicole's going first because I got eliminated first turn. Your turn. All right. Oh, by the way, I'm playing Dr. Herbert West from the Reanimator. Uh, I have an ability that if I have a clue token and I remove it, I can take an ally from any discard pile and place a token on it, and I get to have that ally, but they may turn into a monster and attack me. Mm -hmm. Nicole, what do you do? I'm the nice guy. I have my power as a friend in need. During any other player's turn before that player attempts an, attempts an attribute check, add your corresponding attribute to that player's attribute check. This can be done once per turn. Hmm. My quote is, no, I insist. You go first. I have no quote. Right, you're quoteless. <laughs> go, Nicole. Your turn. Okay, um, the green one. And I'm going to go to the general store because I'm staying away from the farm. Why? Don't say. Because I really want this shotgun. Oh. Um, while exploring the empty Good store luck. after hours, <laughs> you find this weapon in the sporting goods section. You hear noises all around you. <laughs> Something is coming and you Ooh. must act fast. Oh, Will you smash the glass with your elbow to get this weapon? Here if you I break go. the glass, take 1d3 damage and then attach I'm shotgun to gain plus two combat. Uh, and you may roll up to two, re-roll up to two... Combat dice, shotgun counts as two equipped items. Yes. So I just have to I just have to take the damage and I get the shotgun? I think so. If you break the glass, take one D three damage and then attach the shotgun. Right. Well I'm totally gonna do that. Okay. So you got a shotgun and you take two, two damage. damage. Who cares? Big deal. I got seven <clears throat> I got five to go. So damage, damage, no big deal. And there's nothing that attacks. And now you? I have a shot no, I have a Even shotgun. Though they say something's coming. Well, apparently it got scared off when okay. I smashed well, the glass. That's your two actions, lady. How? That's oh, I moved. Yeah, okay. I'm going to the farm now. The farm has an ability that if I go to the uh, farm, if I'm at the farm during your turn, I may take an encounter or on the farm as a free action. So I'm going to take a free action encounter, and I find Old Blue. <laughs> Old Blue is a basset hound. <coughs> uh, it says there's one dog at the farm who has not been corrupted by the evil in Slaughterville. Old Blue. He'll serve as a faithful companion. Attach Old Blue and gain plus one observation. That's a great hey, start hey. to my game. I like that That's a lot That's much more. better than dying. Right. Yes. Now, so for my second action, I'll encounter the farm again. Spectral Hayride. This is my favorite thing around October. You know, get a hot cocoa and go on a spectral... No. We've never done the hot <laughs> <I know>. cocoa. <laughs> or the hayride. Here we go. You hear stories of spectral hayrides, or a spectral hayride, and it's said that the ride will appear out of nowhere. Speaking of which, roll a 1d6. I roll a 2. It materializes right behind you. Make a run check. That's not good, because I only have a 2. I fail. Um, let's see... You get run over by the hayride, and if now you you're fail, dead. you take 1d3 damage. <laughs> I, I took a point of damage, Nicole. The hayride ran over me, but it missed old blue. <laughs> um, that's it. That's all that happens. Haunted hayride runs over me. Okay. <laughs> all right, villain turn. So for the villain turn, <clears throat> it says um, you have to move them to a location, to a random location. So we just roll a 1d6. They roll to the general right, store where I'm Yay. Okay, so then it says that um, we search that discard pile of that location for there an ally. One. So then in that case, you flip the top cards until an ally pops up, forming the new discard pile, and then we will draw a card for the end of their turn. 
I think by moving, don't if they move to your location. Oh, it's at the start of your turn. You'll have to face them because they stay. Yeah. So he takes Skyla the cat. Uh, no, she goes in the discard pile. He'll take oh. her next villain turn. It says. Okay. Well, Skyla the cat <laughs> is in the discard pile. Right. So, um, <laughs> it says you can't. It says. What does it say? Okay. If no allies there, then the, the ally is found. The cannibal rednecks stay at the location and capture the ally on the next turn. When they succeed against a player during a single round of combat, they will not only deal damage, but also capture a random ally from the player. Uh, place the ally next to the villain's starting area. Uh, while at the farm, players may detach a clue token to fight the red, rednecks. Um, you can either steal an ally from them, or you can uh, do damage to them. So basically nothing happens right now, right? I, I think so, but I, I thought there's something about, like, if you go on in a space, like, if it lands on a space with you, you automatically have to fight it, but maybe it's at the top of your turn. I don't know. Because, <clears throat> uh, yeah, players will be forced to enter combat. The player and the enemy will count the number of dice listed on their combat. Um, the player and the enemy will roll dice and count the number that they have rolled. Okay. Um... I'm trying to figure this out, baby. I'm, you're not talking at all either. You're not helping me. I, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't even know what we're, what's going on. I'm trying to find out if the if the villains. If it attacks me now or later. Yeah. If, uh, much to the terror and dread of the players and the villain, the players will engage in single combat round. Well, this isn't a single combat round, but they're on your space. And I thought when they're, uh, I thought if they're on your space that they automatically attack you. I don't know. Wasn't there some song in grade school we had to sing about having a dog and his name was Blue and something he did? He took a poo. No, I don't know. What are you talking? I don't about? know. There was some song. I'm. I'm think. I was thinking about uh, Christmas Story. Ralphie has his Red Rider gun that he calls Old Blue. Oh no, that's not it. There's a song, but I'm not gonna sing it because somebody probably licensed it, much like Happy Birthday. Only it's. License probably has not run out. And hey, look at that. I rolled all sixes, except I didn't roll them. I just turned them. Ugh. I don't have anything to say, <laughs> except, okay, so when I'm at the general store, if a player is at the general store during his or her turn, he or she may detach three items in order to attach any item from the general store discard pile. So you have to give up three items to get one measly item. It's not even to get an ally. It's just to get another item. Why would anybody ever do that? I would never do that. It doesn't say that you get forced into single combat with the with them just because they're on your space. You know? Uh-huh. I think it's in, unless it calls for it, it doesn't happen. So he just, I can't <laughs> fight him unless we go to the farm. Basically. Or unless, unless it says that you have to do a single round combat versus them. But n nothing on his card said I had to do a round of combat, right? Correct. So let's just go ahead and go to the cards then. Okay. <clears throat> I know if you move in a space with a villain, you're forced to, or not a villain, but with an enemy, you're forced to fight them. Yeah, but the villains have a different... Right, because they have like, they're, they're like, you don't ever have like a, the final showdown only happens at the final showdown. Otherwise, it's always single round. And the, it's actually instructing me that he stays there and waits for the ally. 
Okay. So I don't think he fights you, unless this card says so, because his card says, invite them to the picnic. Human event. Move the cannibal rednecks to a random location and combat an ally, or, and combat an ally. so he moves to there, and he combats the uh, Where's exactly where cat. we are. Yeah, he moves so to the So he's going to fight store. the cat? He says, and combat an ally in the discard pile. If there's no ally in the location, uh, there's no effect. If the cannibal redneck defeats the ally, the ally is captured and placed next to the villain's starty, starting area. The ally gets two dice against the cannibal rednecks, three. Okay, so the cat is the white dice, the okay. redneck is the black dice, and, and the, the cat, cat wins. wins. So he does not capture the ally. Okay. <clears throat> okay. But he is going to capture the ally Next at the turn. end of the turn. Right. Okay. So it's my turn, right? No, it's your turn. Right. Because I was first, first player before. <clears throat> Should I keep exploring the farm? Why not? You I get like got a, old blue. You get an extra thing out right, of it. I go ahead and explore the farm. Number one, corn maze. Oh, now that's your favorite thing to the do. The corn maze has long been your favorite part of visiting Slaughterville. You used to love it as a child, so you decided to visit it again this year. However, something seemed off this time, and you can't seem to get your bearings. Make an observation check, which I have three plus old blue gives me Ooh. one. Okay, come on. Succeed for a change. I fail. A one, a one, a two, and a four. Amazing! This is the story of my game. Uh, if you fail, your turn is over. So that's it. That's all I got. Ugh. <laughs> what? Do I have to break away or anything? It doesn't say that you're fighting the villain just because he's there. Okay. You know? Well, I'm just going to search the general store again yeah. then. Okay. Um, it's an event lost in the aisles. The store is bigger than it looks. Were you already down this aisle? Roll 1d6. And I roll a 3. <coughs> On a 3 or a 4, you enter a door and find yourself somewhere else. Move to a random location and encounter it as a free action. Hey, that's pretty fun. All right, maybe it'll be the farm. It is the church. Oh, the church has an ability that if the spiritualist is there, they get plus 1 to a bunch of other stuff. Which the villain will suffer minus 1 if they're at the church. Okay, so this is my free action. <coughs> Black slime demon. Uh, the creature stands in the aisle of the church. It stares at you for a long moment before unleashing unleashing a violent stream of black icker? Icker? I-C-H-O-icker? Icker. Yes. What, what, what's that? Sludge? Disgusting. Okay, slop. so I roll a 1d6. I got a 5, and on a 4, 5, or 6, the dark demon rises to meet you. So I have to combat the black demon. He's got a four against my four. Try my four on person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Whoa. He beat you by one. He beat me. So I take a damage. Yes. And I have to fight him again, right? You get to re-roll a number, though. You're using a shotgun. Up to two dice. Yeah. So re-roll two of your dice that you missed with. Okay. Oh, you well, got, then I tied, tied so I don't have to take All a damage. Right. But I do have to roll again Try to fight him again. again and I beat him. See? So. You're going gonna to be the whether we win this or not. That's still a waste of time. So Nothing happened. Token. You oh, yeah. Token. You're right. That's waste good. Waste of time. Whatever. Okay. And then I search again. <laughs> okay. Because that's going to be my second action. So, uh, exorcism. Demon. You pay the local clergy a visit to find help dealing with the trouble He's in Slaughterville. 
When you enter, there's a large <laughs> gathering around the altar. You've walked right into the middle of an exorcism. The priest asks for your Dominos. help. Cheesy poops. <laughs> um, you, might find the, you might find the demon. No, you must fight. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Tiny, itty-bitty, baby print on these cards. Get away. Get That's going to hold your smallest finger for Thanks. you. Thanks. <laughs> uh, you must fight the demon so that it can be removed from the victim. So I have to fight a demon with an attack of four again. Oh. And I tied. You get to roll two dice again. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting that. Jeez, you're trying to lose this game. I'm not. Well, I still didn't okay. do anything, so I got to roll again. Then you're not afraid of a demon. Yeah, you won again. Jeez. Did I? Three to one. Yeah, I sure did. Okay. So if you defeat the demon, uh, attach exorcism and gain oh. plus one observation. Boom. All right. All right. My turn is over. All right. We're back to the rednecks. The rednecks steal the kitty. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, do they? Wait, hold on. Yeah, what? yeah. Because if they're at an uh, an area, can they move to a random location? Search the discard pile. If an ally is present, you place it. Uh, it said if no ally, they, they flip the location cards until an ally is found. The ally remains in that location discard pile, and they stay at the location and capture the ally the next turn. So they go back to the villain starring area after they do that. Right. So Kitty goes away. There you go. It's really just important where they're at. So they go home with their kitty and add it to the Meow. stew. <clears throat> Meow. All right. And this is what happens. We have a guest. Oh, wait. We have a guest. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Move the first player to the farm. Was that me this time? That's you. I'm at, the, at farm. the farm. <clears throat> um, and make a run check. That's my best attribute. No, it's not. It's terrible. And I fail. <laughs> You're going to hear me fail every roll in this game, I'm telling you. Uh, if the first player succeeds, he or she moves to a random location. Nope. If the first player fails, they must engage in combat against Cousin Kevin. Hey. Cousin Kevin is a four attack against Whoa. my two. This is terrible. Here we go. Come on, beat Kevin. going to beat Kevin. I'm going to beat Kevin. Okay, I didn't beat Kevin. You Kevin beat not. me by two. Yes. So here's your two damage. Um, can I run away now? This is, I'm is just going to die. Does it say a single roll? Single round of combat? It just says engage in combat. You don't, it doesn't Ooh, that's matter. That's not a single combat then. You, you can always to... en run away from combat. It okay, just so means try and run, you have to try and run away. I'm going to try because I don't think rolling against Kevin's going to be good. And, I get away. Oh, you made it. So okay. I go to the cemetery. <clears throat> All right. Uh-huh. And that's the end of the villain turn. Right. Where'd Kevin go? He's right here. He's still on the farm. Why is Kevin at the farm? Because he came to the farm and fought me. Well, wouldn't he go above the farm instead of in the farm discard pile? Because he's an actual... Okay. That'll work. Whatever. Here. Here's your token. Well, he's... Thank you. He's not an, a <laughs> I farm know, I know. card. He's a That's villain okay. card. It's your turn. Okay. I'm going to... The church has been pretty good to me. I think I'm going <laughs> to... I'm not going to fight a four guy. Oh, by the way, the speaking of four guys, our cannibal rednecks are now a four-strength creature. Right. Question. Yeah. So if I go to the farm and I fight Kevin and I beat him, yeah. does that mean we get to take cards off of the cannibal redneck pile? No, you pile? just put him in the discard pile. Oh. <clears throat> but we, the only place that we can actually fight him is at the farm anyway, right? He's at the farm right now. <sighs> the you only can fight place... the cannibal rednecks at the farm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you can go there and, and discard your clue token to do a single combat against him if you want. But I'm going to have to fight Kevin first, right? 
Just by going there, you'll fight Kevin. But that's not an action. You'll just go there and fight him. If you go into the farm, you're fighting Kevin. <clears throat> okay. Well, before I do that... <laughs> no, if I do that, then my move is an action. Okay, move me to the farm. Oh. I'm going to fight dun, Kevin. Dun, 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 dun. So we're at four to four. Okay. Four to four. Well, I mean, you got hot rocks there, so. Whoa. <laughs> you get to re-roll two. Thank but goodness, gonna, but he's not, still going to beat me. He did three points of damage to me. She rolled all Holy fives and sixes on the enemy dice. Holy. <laughs> Are you ready to escape? I have to. I've got try. five damage. You got to roll to escape. Otherwise, oh, you do another round of combat. Stupid. I escape. Welcome to the cemetery, Nicole. Can't I escape back to the entrance? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Really? When you escape, I think you have to move to an adjacent space. It doesn't. That would be adjacent. The entrance is adjacent to everywhere. Shh. Hold on. The rules. The rules say. To escape from the combat, the, the player right. rolls an agility roll. If, the, if there's a success, the player's escaped and may spend a. Oh, and may also spend a clue token to escape during combat as well. well I'm not doing that. On a successful escape, you must move to an adjacent location and end their current turn. <clears throat> right. The entrance is adjacent to everywhere. Right. Right? I guess so. If that was the case, I would have done It says at the beginning. Well, yeah, because it said you can always go... Well, it... <clears throat> okay. Oh. I don't see anything about adjacency where it, it, it clarifies that or Well, anything. look about... There should be something about the entrance. Um... Do you want to take the book? <laughs> I don't know. It's like five pages long, but it's not... It's not good. Okay. Uh, player starting area. You can heal there. Yes. It is adjacent to everywhere. When a player rolls to a random location, it means the other locations. Yes. Um, and then... Oh my goodness, it's just... Even though the player location 6K, players may encounter an enemy... Da, 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 da. No. Seriously. I know you told me that at one point. Well, I, I said you can always move to the starting area. So could we... But not that it's an adjacent location. I think adjacent locations literally mean adjacent locations. So the only thing adjacent to the farm is the cemetery. Right. That's it. Because the farm's on the edge of town? Why is the general store on the edge of town? That Just doesn't make any sense. Stop getting mad about the random draws last stop for water before you leave town <laughs> i think adjacent locations are adjacent to okay, these locations fine, fine it's your turn you can always move there but it's can not I have considered the book adjacent while you're taking your turn yes Thank gee you. whiz uh i am at three of six damage one wrong move and i could die should i go back and heal yes really Come on, I go back to I don't to want the, to play this game by myself. <laughs> I go back to the opening and I heal. Two whole points of damage. Old blue tended my wounds. Click, and my click, turn's click, over. Click, click. That's it. So okay. uh, it's now the enemy's turn. They go to space four, which is the old forest. Uh, the old forest, if a player escapes from combat while in the old forest, uh, you must move to a random location instead of an adjacent. Okay. Uh, he goes there. There are no allies in the pile, so he starts drawing cards trying to find an ally. We're going to draw lots of cards because there's not very many allies in the forest. There goes my old jawbone. That was a good one. There goes a club. There goes an animal. There goes an axe. There goes an animal. <laughs> there's no allies in here. 
Well, because who hangs out in the forest? There's got to be one. You're gonna find Jason. Maybe like the park rangers in the forest. I know that. Oh, here we go. Yep, the park ranger pops up, and that was only like six cards, seven cards from the bottom of its twenty-card deck or whatever it is. Okay, so it goes there. It does that. Draws a card. Here we go. (laughs) Sharpen the knives. The cannibal rednecks are preparing for the slaughter, and the knives are being made ready. Attach sharpen the knives to the cannibal rednecks. The cannibal rednecks now have plus one combat. That's terrible. Really? Yep. So now it is my turn? Yes. Yes. I'm healed up. I'm going to the farm. No, I'm not. That's where, <laughs> that's that's where, where Cousin Kevin is, and he's yeah. a mean man. I think I kind of want to go. Well, the park ranger's in the trash already. <laughs> 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 now I'm so mean. Uh, I go to the church because you fought a couple of demons. Maybe there's not a lot left. <clears throat> okay, I encounter it. Play the organ. A strange piece of <laughs> shit. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Just, I, I'm going to keep it clean. Um, <laughs> a strange piece of sheet music flutters to the ground from the rafters. Can you make it out? Why am I running away from sheet music? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the wind. Oh no, run away. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe he means, can you figure his music out? <laughs> I'm supposed to make an observation check. Hey, old blue, what do you think this is? <laughs> I pass. Wow, I actually pass one. That's good. If you succeed, then the melody plays, o- play, plays open a secret passageway and you get to explore again for a free action. Oh, I hope there's a demon on the next card. I made I made my first success check and there was nothing for it. You know, yeah, I, know. I don't get a clue token. Nothing. Um, demon. Yep. Orphan. Awesome. <laughs> a child skips and plays outside of the church alone. Concerned, you decide to ask the child where her parents are or where it says his, but it shows a little girl. Isn't that weird? Uh, the child looks at you and says, "Mommy and Daddy don't want to play with me anymore." As he holds up their severed heads by the hair. Roll a d6. Six. Make a will check. If you fail, you panic. My willpower is three. Old blue, don't let me panic. You're gonna be mad. I pass. So I don't panic. That's all that happens. Okay, don't panic, but okay. get ready. Get ready to get mad. Why would I be mad? Um, for escape, a player may not always be able to defeat a creature. To escape, roll an agility check. If you succeed, you must move to a random location. This ends the player's current turn. On an escape? Yes! Black Weird. and white on the glossary. Mm. It said adjacent in the middle of the rules. I just read them five seconds ago. It said adjacent space in the rules, not Where? random. Smashed in the middle of this paragraph about combat, it says, <clears throat> to escape, you use this. If you're successful, uh, you must move to an adjacent location and end their current turn. So you do end your current turn, but it says adjacent in the middle of the rules. It says uh, in the random in the says, glossary. But that's panic. Panic is random. No, it just says escape. That's ridiculous. That's it. See, it, it contradicts itself. We've even proved that. Proven. No. But I was supposed to end my turn, so I've cheated Jeez, so closed. far. I know. That's what we do. All right, Cole. Okay. What are you doing? I am going to move, and I'm going to heal myself, thus ending my turn. But I get three heals. Uh, By the way, the park ranger gets captured by the rednecks. That's unfortunate. (laughs) We're going to probably lose these guys. Yeah, think. They're really tough. Uh, This guy goes back to here. He draws a card. That would be the uh, cannibal redneck goes back to the cannibal redneck farm farm. phase. Villain. All right. 
I've drawn the same card again that we had before. Invite them to the picnic. Move the cannibal red next to a random location, Nicole. Um, that would be... To the, the farm! farm. <laughs> uh... And combat an ally in that discard pile. There's no there's ally no. in the discard pile, so there is no effect. If the cannibal rednecks defeat the ally, the ally's captured, place it next to the villain's starting area. But they actually just stay there at the farm. Okay. Okay. Uh, so now it is your turn. turn to go first. Yes. So I will go to the... F if I go to the farm, I have right. to fight Kevin first? Yes. And it's four to four? Yep. Okay. Oh, boy, we got a guest here at the farm. And he kicked my butt. Reroll those two. Okay, those two. And he kicked my butt. He I got took two two damage. Of damage. So now I gotta roll to escape. Are you gonna try to get away from Stupid. Kevin? Or you don't I fight have him again? to. I'm gonna die. Do is one point of damage to Kevin and he's out of there. But I got three or I only get three more against me. Oh. You can escape automatically by using your clue tokens. I'm not doing that. You fighting? I'm fighting him. Well, I'm going to lose. <laughs> you you tied. tied him. Okay, I'll fight him one more time. <laughs> no whammies. <laughs> oh, oh god! Total whammies. He's Roll two. Two against my zero against him, and I lost. I'm got two damage, and now I have to try and run away. And if you fail, you have to do combat again. That's a problem. So I get to roll three dice. And I fail. Use your clue token. I'm going to use my clue token to run away. Okay. So you get into the cemetery. Fantastic. My turn. Dare I keep going into this church? So far it's been Well, we got to get something more than... I know. Oh, I find the chaplain. This man sees how hard you are working to make Slaughterville a better place, and he offers his services as a chance to do some real good in this town. Well, that's good. Attach him and gain plus one observation. I can't get any combat at all going on here. The no. chaplain and Old Blue are my my study They're partners. They're looking out for you. That's well, I don't it. want to stay at the church. I want to go to the so, general store. Move me to the how general many store, please. Items can you equip? <clears throat> I think it's like two single hand items plus or like uh, weapons or something. I don't know. Read read the book, and I'll start doing the villain turn. Okay, so here we go. Back to the uh, cannibal rednecks turn. They are going to. There's no one in there. At the start of the turn, so they have to go to a random location. They go to number six, which is the general store with me. Eh. And is there any allies in the discard pile? Uh, I don't believe Just so. Just the deck then. <clears throat> nope. Okay, going through the discard pile, trying to get an ally to pop up for them to kill next turn. The store clerk is in the ally discard pile. And then they get to do their big card. This is called Hooked. It has a bunch of meat hanging from meat hooks. Huh. The cannibal rednecks loom behind the players, and they cannot wait for the taste. The cannibal rednecks surge in a single combat round against a random player who has an ally attached. That would be me. If the player loses, you must move an to another location. The ally is captured and placed next to the villain's starting area. I have an so, ally. Well, we have to do random then. You're gonna be. I'll be one, two, three. You'll be four, five, six. Okay. Okay, good you. <laughs> You're like, good. <laughs> I don't want to lose my demon friend. Well, the cannibal rednecks are at six on combat. That's insane. So I could die right here. I am not going to die, but I do take two points of damage. <coughs> so I take two points of damage. 
I must move to another location. It just says another location. I move to the farm. Okay. No, I don't. Farm's dangerous. I move to the forest. Yeah, move to the forest. Um, and now it's going to capture an ally from me. I guess I just get to pick. Sure. Sorry, Chaplain. Old Blue's sticking with me. <laughs> or wait, old, wait, where's Old where's Blue, old blue from? from? He's from the farm, so it, uh, it won't matter. He's okay. gets, he gets his third location card. That's and great. First player goes to me, right? Yes. Okay. And I am a, I'm going to go ahead and explore the forest. Why not? <clears throat> Electrical storm. Cool. It's not, not a weapon or something useful. The storm came out of nowhere. The lightning flashes unnaturally fast. A strike hits at your mere feet from you as if it were trying to hit you. Can you make it safely? Uh, make it to safety before you are struck? Make a running check, which I'm so good at. Here we go. And fail. Fail. Okay. Uh, if you fail, you're hit by lightning and take 1d6 damage. I take six points of damage and, and I'm killed dead. instantly, no matter what I was doing. All right, Cole, your turn. Uh, well, I guess my turn is going to consist of me going back to the entrance and healing. So I'm moving to the entrance and I heal one. Yay. Okay, it's the demon's turn or the cannibal redneck okay. turn. He takes the sales clerk. Right. Even though it doesn't but he already really help has him, general store stuff, but it, but does, he still it does gives him another, him. Right. yeah. And then he goes uh, back to the right. villain. Right, to do a card. Place. Roasting spit. The cannibal rednecks are hungry. Choose an ally from the discard pile of a random location, which is number five. Oh, there's none. There's none. Uh, okay, so from a random location, that ally is removed from the game, but does not count towards their win condition. The uh, cannibal rednecks would heal one d six damage if they did that, but they can't. So right. they didn't. Okay. Your turn again. I'm going to heal. Three uh, heal three. Yes, that's nice. And I'm going to move. I take over all the black dice. I'm going to move to the asylum. <laughs> okay. I think. Wait. Yes. I'm going to move to the asylum. I can't reach. You're going to have to. I can't reach. This is your game. I have little arms. Okay. I move to the asylum, and that's all I can do. Okay. Cannibal Sister. rednecks go to the farm and there is no ally there so they're going to start flipping cards until they get an ally which they just flipped one and got the farm hand uh, so they're going to stay there and wait for the farm hand to capture him uh, chainsaw the staple for any serious maniac the chainsaw brings death with a severe hatred Attach the chainsaw to the cannibal rednecks. The rednecks now gain plus one attack and may reroll at one non-successful combat die. Whoa. <laughs> so they're now at You're what? so dead. <laughs> we're we're Four, doing good. Five, six, seven, eight, nine dice. And they get to reroll one. And they one. get to reroll one. Right. We're well on our way. Plus we have to defeat Kevin before we can even attack them. Have we ever won a co-op game on this? I don't podcast? think so. I don't think we've No. <laughs> but it's I'm at the asylum, okay. Well, Hmm. I'm hungry. It's a human event. What? Um, while exploring the asylum, you hear a slurping sound from one of the patient rooms. Knowing that the place is abandoned, you investigate. You find a sight that may haunt you forever. A man is sitting on a bed, eating his own hand. Appropriate. <laughs> he looks at you and smiles. Can you back away without startling the patient? Make a brain check. Okay, my brain is only powerful for two. And I pass. Um, if you succeed, you gently back away, closing the door behind you. That's it. <laughs> I know. You don't get anything. I get nothing. Things. Is that it? That's not your whole turn. 
Do I get something? No, that was just no. an event. It's not even a creature. You have to fight him to get clues. I focused. needed to fight him. Ugh, stupid. <laughs> Asylum. <Fucking> mad. <laughs> it's a demon. Uh-oh. You come across an abandoned nurse's station. Roll 1d6. Okay. Four. Mm-hmm. Four, five, or six. The nurse does not appreciate you searching through her area. She seems angry, and there's something wrong with her face. <laughs> I have to fight the disfigured nurse. That's just rude. Um, what, well, hey, does she have four? Four. Okay, Why don't you roll hers? I'll roll. I told you I took over the black dice. And I got one. I got zero. Yes, I defeat her, so I get a clue token. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! And it is the cannibal redneck turn. Okay, he captures the farm hand, which brings him up to four locations of the six. Okay. <clears throat> he, he goes, goes back. back to the villains. All right. Have Camp. some chili, it says, and it's got one of the grossest pictures so far. It's, it, got it's got a cinnamon? picture, top picture of chili. Chili. Uh, with fingers in it. <laughs> what chili for dinner tonight? It's got cinnamon. Chili. The Campbell no? Rednecks okay, bring a pot of chili to the local fair. What was in that chili, anyhow? <laughs> it says the first you, player, which is you, must make an observation check. Oh, <laughs> well, I got that. That's what I got a three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I probably don't have that. You pass. Oh, yeah. I pass with okay, so three no damage. successes. No you damage. Don't, you don't choke on the, the ring still on the finger. <laughs> All right. Uh, it is now your turn again. Oh, my actual turn. Okay. Um, since I actually have a clue token, I'm going to go fight Kevin at the farm. <laughs> oh, my God. So I've got four hey. against his four. Hey, Ma, look. There's guests. Ooh, and I got one. He's got none because I'm rolling yes, the dice. Yes, I defeat him. Kevin's dead. You get a clue token for beating Kevin. Yes, so wow. I get to. I'm going to use a clue token to attack the cannibal rednecks. Okay, they so get how many dice again? Nine, ten. Wait, <coughs> three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, <laughs> so I get to roll these five <laughs> dice twice plus re-roll a die that I missed, or I get to re-roll. Oh, right. Okay, there it goes. Okay, so far they've got two successes. I have zero. And I get to roll four more. Okay, there's oh. three more successes, and I get to re-roll a miss. Okay, so I got five successes. I'm dead. I'm dead. Woohoo! Game over. <laughs> so happy. The cannibal rednecks win. We're yeah. Done. <laughs> and we're done with this game. <laughs> okay, so that went bad. But let's talk about this game, okay? Yeah. Um, what I liked about this game. Now, see, I, this is a Kickstarter. I have to make sure everybody knows that. I got a Kickstarter version of this game, and it's out of print. And it has kickstarted a reprint, which did you know, fund. So they're printing it again, but right. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be very limited release on this. That's just something to say up front. So if, if the gameplay of this sounded fun to you or sounds like something you want to do after this review, keep an eye on it because it's going to go out. I think it's Rubio games. It's, it's doing it and it's going to go fast. I'm sure. I don't think they have tons of money. It's not <laughs> fantasy flight. So anyways, <clears throat> let's talk about what I liked about this game. Do you want to talk about what you liked? I'll give you one thing I liked about What'd it. What'd you like? I really thought it was genius to have the villain's card deck right. be their hit points. I right. think that's really cool. I don't remember seeing that anywhere else where, I mean, they, usually they just have like a stat or whatever. Right. And this, once they run out of their little villain deck, they're dead. Right. That's cool. Right. Every time you attack them, if you do three points of damage, you flip three of their cards. That's three cards you don't have to deal with. I thought right. it was great. Okay. Here's what I liked about it. Ease of entry. Okay. This game's super easy. I mean, there really is not much anything like not much more to this than simply yeah, there's a couple move to here or here and well, yeah, but that's all contained in the cards. Yeah, um, it's move here or here and draw a card and read the card and roll a stat. 
and you just roll how many dice your stat says to roll. And if you get a five or a six, you you succeed. Yeah. It's as simple as that. <clears throat> now, I think there's a good variety in the box. Yeah. Now, the game, the base game, I think, comes with nine different enemies. And the uh, I, I had to spend extra to get the dream demon, which we played. Well, how <clears throat> could you not? You're Fred Krueger. How can you not have the dream demon? Come right. on. Um, it's I like think... a standard. They should have given it to you for free. <laughs> <laughs> This has another thing that I really like as well. This is another thing. Um, it has photos of people on the cards. I like actor cards. I don't know why. In yeah. my adventure games, I like to see real actors. I don't care as much for just artwork. I don't mind either way as long as it's well done. And, and their photographer I thought was really good. Right. I, I liked how they did their photography. The buildings looked nice. The people looked appropriate. Um some of them were kind of gross looking just because they were all made up or whatever. <laughs> and some of them looked great, you know. They right. were like the the park ranger. She's all like happy and whatnot. Right. Um, yeah, I agree. The 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 artwork's great. Right. I see. And I'm, even the, the an, not animated, <laughs> but the uh, drawn parts of it, like logos <laughs> and stuff, I thought were really nice too. Well, I'm a pretty big fan of, of the photo artwork. I really yeah. am. And, and I know a lot of people are really against it and think it's terrible. I don't care. I like it. I like hokey pictures, and I think it works really well. Yeah. And I don't know if they're doing it again, but the Kickstarter that we got, it came with, like, the first player token is this really nice metal coin. I don't think they're giving it out again. I think that was the first Kickstarter. That thing only. was fantastic. Like, and we also got a D3 dice, which is yeah. a six-sided die that has, it's like, like metal. one, two, and three. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's aluminum a little metal. Die. <laughs> it's nice. Right. I don't think they're going to give that out again, so don't get your hopes up. They're yeah. just going to give you a D6 and tell you that 1 and 2 is 1, 3 and 4 is you know 2, and 5 and 6 is 3. Right. That's what's going to happen. Um, uh, I think the production was pretty good. I, think I thought the, the production was really good. <laughs> I think it's, it's pretty solid. Everything you, fit really well in the box. It's kind of a, it's an odd-shaped box. It is it's, an odd-shaped really box, tall. but it works. It's really tall, and it's, it's uh, I mean, it's probably like, like an 8 by 10 box. And it's, uh, I mean, probably, wouldn't you say it's like it's six inches like five deep? five or six inches tall, yeah. <laughs> it's like a little brick. Right. But like I said, I think I think it works for that game. I would have mm-hmm. hated, hated to see it in any other type of box, I think. Right. Because the way that the tiles are shaped, it worked for the game, and everything fits in there really nicely. Right. So, I don't know. <clears throat> I thought that was good. Um, so, now, that that's what I like about this game. But let's talk about what we don't like about this game. Go ahead. What do you got? The clue tokens. Clue tokens. I hated that. <clears throat> now, clue tokens in the game, uh, I didn't really talk about that in our uh, the rules explanation, but clue tokens are generated only when you uh, defeat an enemy. Like or, just... or if it specifically tells you on a card, you get a clue token. Right. And the reason it bothered me so much okay. was certain villains yeah. required you to use these clue tokens in order to be able to fight them. Hmm. I don't think they were all like that, but don't shine that in my eyes. Freak. <laughs> um, did the did the cannibals? Yeah, you had to like you had to use a clue token to be able to fight them at the farm, right? Right. That's the most common way it seemed like most of the enemies will require you, especially if they have a, spe- a specified location that goes on into the town of Slaughterville, which uh-huh. is made up of six tiles of the 12 that come in the game box. Uh, and you, if they have a specified one, you'll have to be in that location and spend a clue token to do a single round 
of combat versus the villain. And a single right. round means that you just fight one round. You roll the dice for both people, for you and for the villain. And then whoever, you know, loses goes, you know, if you lose, you go back to the town entrance. If you win, you get to stay there. But the villain doesn't, isn't technically He goes back there. to the villain entrance. Right. And then you get to <clears throat> give up, you know, he has to get rid of how many cards. Right. Those clue tokens were almost impossible to get right. half the time. Like, we spent the majority of our exploration just trying to fight anybody to get a clue token. Right. And I found our, our, that we lost too often. Mm-hmm. We were never powerful enough. Did you even mention, I don't, was it in the clip that uh, we won every game until that last stupid game? I don't know if I mentioned that. But we were or not, still having yeah. trouble with getting the clue tokens. <laughs> it was like luck that, right. that we even managed it. Um, what else? What else don't you like? Um, <clears throat> don't look at my notes. Stop it. Oh, sh- Stop it right now. I don't think there was quite enough uh, variety. It seems like there would be with 12 different locations and all the little location, uh, the little explore decks for the car, right. for the, for each location. There's 24 cards in each deck. Yeah. But here's the thing. The, the explore decks had some cards that were repeaters in other locations. Very similar. Yeah, they did. Not similar. Same ones, different back. Right. To match the location. Right. Like that, uh, that, Oh, what was that one where you're supposed to hide or whatever you get get out of get out of a fight free or whatever? Right. It's safe. Play it safe or uh-huh. whatever. Yeah. That one was in every single deck and there was multiples of them, like two or three in each deck. Right. Right. That's cheating. Seriously. <laughs> now, in their defense, I think I think only maybe I, I would say only twenty percent of each deck, maybe five cards in each deck were repeaters. Yeah, but you're going through those decks pretty quickly. The rest of them were, were unique encounters and unique enemies and But unique when it items. takes six locations to play one game. Right. And, you know, you get through like half the deck uh-huh. in each game, you there's the variety runs out really quickly right. on okay. your ex- exploration. I, I you got plenty I think of villains. By the time we played five games of this, the locations were starting to feel limited. Yeah, very sure. limited. Or at least we were starting to know what was in each location and which one was worth going to and which one not. Yeah. Like we both knew that the forest didn't have allies. There was like, like one two. ally, you know. Yeah. And, and well, it had like a park ranger and like one other one or something. I don't even think there was another one. I thought there was a lot of one. allies as as well are not simply met. Like if you meet the park ranger, the park ranger is just like, hey, how's it going? I'll help you fight the evil. Whereas a, most of the allies are like a bad guy attacks your ally in front of you. And you have if you defeat him in one shot of combat, then you get the ally. Otherwise, the right. ally runs away. Right. And a lot of times it was like that. And this so <clears throat> I think that's one of my biggest problems with this game is everything you get is kind of obtained randomly. There's a few instances, I would say like in each deck, there's maybe one to two instances of you just get something. Right. The rest of it is only obtained with that five or six roll. And if you get a guy, you know, with a bad stat and that stat pops up and you just get that opportunity over and over again, you're doomed. Right. You know, like a lot of times I I found myself with a guy who had bad observation, for instance, and I was doomed. Or maybe I... Maybe because I got, all you were getting were, were combat roles. Right. Or maybe I got the, the agility thing. guy and I just get doomed. I right. Seemed, but then I had like the opposite a, thing happen where I had I had all kinds of combat and all I was ever getting was observation right. cards. You know? It seemed it seemed really heavy-handed in, that, in those instances because it'd be like, hey, you see a shotgun in the case and if you roll this type of roll high enough, you get the shotgun. Otherwise, it's gone forever. Right. 
And it's just kind of how it felt a lot of times. And the location abilities, they have abilities on each one, but they're mostly like, if you use this character in this location, they get a bonus. Well, I, I mean, the game, I'm going to say, comes with tons of characters. There's, yeah. there's not much to them. Each one of them has as a, a couple of, like an ability or two. Uh, and they, they either have a passive ability, which is present on almost none of the cards, or an ability that you have to spend one of those precious clue tokens that you can't afford to spend on a stupid power on your guy because you've got helps. three of them so far and you've been playing for half an hour. Right. You know? Yeah, so that's, that was that was definitely a complaint because <laughs> your special ability, I don't remember us using them more than one time in five games because those clue tokens were, were like you said, they're too precious. You can't use them. Right. On your silly ability, so that may or may not help you. Here's my biggest problems. These are these are my my ones that I really care about. Okay, because those are problems and those are complaints. But I mean, obviously, those can swing one way or the other every game, <coughs> and we know that. We just said we won four out of five games. Right. We did. Okay, you guys heard the most dramatic, you know, the poorest representation of the game we had as far as like luck, no, and that was, was our restart. Our yeah. <laughs> So, of course, representation was you losing on the first turn. Yeah, but we didn't play the rest of the game. You may have no. won that game. Eh, uh, so here's the problem. I think there's balance issues. There's no consideration for the numbers of players playing this game. Yeah. And in the game before this, we uh, what were we playing? We played one where we decided if I play less people, I'm not going to win this game as well as if I played more. And we ended up playing four characters to beat this one boss. Right. And we did because we played those four characters. Now, every, like two of them ended up dying by the end. But two of them survived, and we beat that character just because we played more players. If we'd played less, a two-player game, we, we would have lost. Yeah, because the villain would have had too many turns. So kind of like in in uh, in Sentinels of the Multiverse, for instance, whenever you, they always have a, an H plus whatever, H minus one or H plus one, which means the number of heroes in the game minus one. And that's how stats work. Right. This game does not do anything to accommodate for the variance in players. It has nothing. So it seemed like in most cases, playing more players would win the game for you. Yeah. So if I played an eight, and it plays up to eight, doesn't it? I think it does. It plays one to eight. That's crazy. So if I was to play eight players, the villain only gets to act one time every 16 player actions. Yeah. Whereas when we're playing a two player game, it's only four player actions or whatever. Or no, yeah, four player actions. And yeah, it gets and to it's go. not like it doesn't tell you to to call down the deck or anything like that and take out this many cards because only two people are playing. Nothing like that. Right. There's no accommodation for number of players. And it seems like the more you play, the more people that were playing, the easier it would be. But here's the deal. Uh, It was almost too easy most of the time for two players, it felt like. Even with not being able to get the stupid clue token. So an eight-player game becomes this just activity where everybody gets to read goofy cards on their turn and you beat the villain in a couple turns. Yeah. Um, so and it would probably well, elongate the game dramatically as well because you're trying to run through the villain deck. Right. You know? I don't know. And I think my favorite game that we played of this whole thing was the the one before Five for Five. When we very first got the game, we played a round of it. And we played that uh, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers kind of mode. Okay. And that was my my favorite game that we played. I had a lot of fun with it on that one. Right. Part of it might have been just because I was learning the exploration and stuff. Everything was new. Right. But I just thought it felt more balanced and stuff, too. Mm-hmm. And later on, like with some of these other villains, I felt like if I had to play any of these other villains that first time, I don't know that we would have even bothered with it for a five for five. Right. They just weren't. I don't know. <clears throat> okay. So here's my next one, because I have five of these. Ugh, I'll shut up. <laughs> I think that the 
game has too high of a luck factor. Yes. We were doing random characters. <laughs> we weren't going through the character deck and choosing the best one because I'm sure there'd be a few of them that are like way overpowered because you all you need to do is balance out the group. One guy has really high combat and goes and clears out all those monsters who get stuck in locations and block them up. And one guy has extremely high observation. One guy has extremely high agility. And you just kind of milk the the spots with those two guys. Right. Um, but it's it's dice rolls combined with random cards. And you are such a victim of what you draw, followed by what your character is and what you roll. And you just, you just feel doomed when you're doomed. Yeah. But there's like some of them where like some of them I got like way too many allies way too early. And you become this unstoppable force. So there's like no, there's no balance in there between that luck. It either goes dramatically your way or dramatically not your way and you end up dead. Um, like I said, I already said it's too easy even with two players, I felt like. Not on that last <laughs> turn. Right. But mo- the other games didn't work out like that. No. That, that Cannibal Redneck... Maybe an exception. I don't know. We haven't played all all the villains in the game. We've played six of the ten. Yeah. And of the six that we've played, I'd say two of them weren't pushovers. Yeah. Four of them were total pushovers. Because all you're doing, and this is like one of my big ones, is all you're doing is trying to run out their deck. Right. So sometimes <clears throat> you just have to bide your time. Right. And eventually, sometimes you can just, yeah, you can just kind of math out how many more turns do we have to go and we'll just kill these people automatically. Right. You know? Don't go where he's going to be. <clears throat> and the villain deck, I think, is like 20, 24 cards as well, or maybe it's 30. But yeah. either way, either way, you'll, if you hit him a couple times, eventually you, you'll find yourself in a situation. And this is such a ho-hum ending. You just go, oh, well, we just have to not do anything. I could just sit in Slaughterville, the entrance of Slaughterville, and do nothing and pass my turn for the next, like, eight rounds and we'll win the game. Right. That's a, what I was just actually going to say is, I mean, technically, you could just sit at the entrance to Slaughterville and roll dice for the villain right. for however many turns. Sometimes. But Sometimes. like a cannibal redneck would you win couldn't. the game. Right. Because they were collecting the allies. You right. had to be able to stop them. But so, some of those other villains, it wouldn't have mattered. So there, there is a big, there's a big variance in design on this game. Some yeah. of the villains are designed okay. Some of them are like designed like just an afterthought is how yeah. it felt. Um this is the biggest thing that, that really broke my heart about this game. I bought this on Kickstarter because I it looked like a touch of evil light. Yeah. It really did. And it kind of is, but it loses so much of touch of evil. So much. It's ridiculous. It still is one of those games. I looked at it and I was like, okay, touch of evil has multiple locations with multiple location decks. Uh-huh. And you go to those locations and you get like random stuff and random stuff happens. But... <laughs> something each, about this just dies. Yeah, I don't know comparison. what it is. And and it's this isn't even a roll and move game, so throw that out the window. But Touch of Evil seems to feed you enough of your little clue tokens to buy items with that are always available in the middle at different spots where you can upgrade your character and take like a chance on a die roll. But you just have more character building opportunities that are given to you automatically that are guaranteed to happen so that fighting the villain is going to be inevitable. And the fighting at the end of Touch of Evil is a showdown. Yeah. You have to fight the villain in a big, you know, glorious match, you know, against each other. Well, and what's weird is, I mean, as many times, we've played a Touch of Evil, I don't even know how many times. Right. And yet I still don't feel like, oh, well, I don't want to go there because I know all the cards there. 
I still don't feel like that. Right. Whereas with this one, I'm like, well, I don't want to go to the asylum. Those cards usually suck. You right. know, I have no desire to go there. There's nothing good. I'm going to get out of that deck. Right. You know, I don't feel like that at all in Touch of Evil. And no. we've played it way more times in this game. Right. And you combine all of that stuff I talked about with Touch of Evil with the town elder mechanic and yeah. and then playing, you know, versus each other and stuff like that. And you get this experience that's just a lot more manageable and you kind of get rid of a lot of that chaos. There's still plenty of it in it and plenty of theme. In fact, I, I mean, I, I would argue that the touch of evil, because it's it's only one setting, you know, or one, you know, even though I think they, they handle the multiple villains a little better. It's a little more fun and it just seems ghostlier and, and more creepy in a way that I want yeah. rather than this one where it's just sort of like you meet Paw from down schlocky. the street. And yeah, which I don't mind schlocky, but. I mean, Old Blue was funny. I mean, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> but Old Blue should do some combat, not just sniffing. I know. <laughs> I'm just playing. Well, I don't no, know. seriously, though. I mean, <clears throat> he should be part of combat, not just. Uh, well, I mean, observed. like I said. What did he observe? It, it seems, it's just, it's basically touch of evil stripped down as thin as it can get. And it's just not fun. You realize that all those nuances that are added into a touch of evil, save it from being a disaster, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and make it and make it a lot more fun. The ability to go to the general store and say, I've got this much money. Can I purchase that gun? Would be a huge help for a game like this. Yeah. Okay. So, Nicole, what would you say the difficulty of this game is? It's not that difficult. The, the hardest part is if you do have a question, the book is kind of meh on answering There's it. a lot of it just stuffed into giant chunks. Yeah. And they're not and really broken even, up. We even had that instance of it contradicted itself. Right. Contradicted itself. That was hard to say for some reason. Right. And that's not good. That's never good. Right. You never want to look in two spots and get two different answers. Right. So what's the difficulty of this game? Two. Two? Three, maybe, because you have to... I'd say it's a two. Honestly, I can... I, the rule The rule book is, is seriously... It's, it's pretty easily Three digestible. pages at most. But it's just in these giant chunks, so you'll kind of find yourself going, where did I read that? Yeah. And you can't reference it worth a damn, you know? Oh, <laughs> Watch your mouth. So you go back and you and you can't find what you what you were looking for. So I would give it a two. It's it's a real simple game. It's yeah. it's too simple. I think in a lot of ways. Uh, what would you give this game out of five? Mm. What I wanted to give it such a good rating because I really like I said there were so many things about it I really like as far as visually and and the components are amazing on and the the theme is cool and I can't give it higher than a two. I just can't. Right. I give it a two. I think that uh, when it works, it's a three at best. Like the best it can be is a three, even when it works. And I think that when it doesn't work, it can slam right into Onesville almost. So it's a two. I just can't give it a three. I can't. I don't know. I think if you had the ideal circumstances and it was your first time playing and you're getting all the discovery out of it as well, I maybe even be able to go as high as a four. But that's going to be under ideal circumstances with the right enemy... And you get to learn all the new stuff about it. Here, but you only get that experience one time, and then it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen look, that. Oh, here, yeah, I've seen that. Here's why I can't give it a three. Here's the biggest reason. It's a story kind of adventure game. With no And there's story. no climax of action. Yeah. It just ends. Oh, look, he, that's his last and that's card. that's his card, yeah. Done. We beat the zombies. We... 
<laughs> so it's a two. They're dead. Yeah, it's a two. It's a two. It's a two. Um, so that is Slaughterville, but that's not all because this game has piqued my interest, Nicole. Mine. <sighs> Whew. Wow. Would you look at that? Magnificent. Here are some peaked interests. All right, Nicole. Now, obviously, we didn't like Slaughterville. Uh, but with so much similar to other games that we do like, we need to look at what went wrong. Now, to get to the bottom of this, I asked the guild what they found most important in an adventure game. Now, Rodney simply said, it's fun and the other stuff doesn't matter. <laughs> if it's fun, the other stuff doesn't matter. Right. Do you mean to read this for you? If it's fun. The other stuff doesn't matter. <laughs> How dare you? I wrote, I wrote all this down. I know. Uh, Jeff said uh, he looks forward to being able to tell a story to himself or the table during the gameplay. So probably the most important part of the game to him is for the game itself leaving some space in play that allows for role playing or storytelling to happen during the game. Oh, we uh, do that stuff even if it doesn't allow for it. We <laughs> sure, just make stuff up. <laughs> now, uh, Brendan says fun first. Definitely. Uh, he says theme is crucial for him. Uh, he would not like Touch of Evil uh, if it weren't themed like that. So really, the theme is the only thing that makes him like a Touch of Evil. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but his preferred spot is one where the theme comes first, but the mechanisms se- uh, serve the theme logically. In a Touch of Evil, for instance, the reward of an extra encounter for a low move roll uh, sense, makes sense because you got distracted by the encounter and weren't able to move as far. That's really cool. <laughs> right. Uh, he says this is not, or he says this isn't an adventure game, but his favorite mechanism serving the theme is in Dungeon Pets, where the pet ages into its third year and becomes too old for anyone, and according to the rule book, is sent off to live on a farm. The very next line of the rule book says something like, for a completely unrelated re- reason, two additional meat are in the meat vendor space. <laughs> yeah, that's fun too. I know, that's pretty fun. Uh, he says the, he guesses the cliffhanger mechanisms in Fortune and Glory <laughs> works pretty well this way. <clears throat> that's a game we need to get to the table for the podcast. Right. The last time we played that, we played eight players. Yeah, we're not going to do that. But <laughs> no, it was we played, really... We played six. It was six, We played yeah. six. It, it plays up to eight, but we played right. six. And it was a long game. It was a long game. Hours, it was so it was fun. fun. It was good. <laughs> uh, Daniel says, gameplay is king. So given out of the list, he, he would have to say mechanics is still the most important for any game. He says for an adventure game, he'll say the next important thing is story. You've got to be doing cool things, hearing about cool things. Uh, that you did, what monsters did you fight, what traps did you encounter, and what love interest betrays you, and so on. Theme, love he says... Love interest? What? That would, that, no, you're interested all what is, automatically. What game is that? I don't know. Maybe it's uh, Fog of Love. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, he says theme, he's not really one to worry about that terribly too much, but he says don't get me wrong, themes, he likes themes. There's themes he likes and themes he doesn't. He'd rather uh, adventure around a fantasy realm than a modern office building, but for the most part, he glosses over it. Now... He says specific, he wants characters that are actually different from others and not something boring like rolling three dice over someone else's two for a type of encounter and vice versa for another type yawn. So, <laughs> <laughs> very specifically. Yes. Yawn. Right. So uh, I thought rather than simply listing out our most important things, well, we should probably list. concept an adventure game together. No, I did a list. Yeah, I told you, didn't tell you to do a list. I don't remember you saying that. So you that. just decided, let's, we're, we're going to take a break in this podcast, and Nicole's going to take over and do a list. Go, Nicole. Well, I thought we were doing a list. Well, you can talk about them as I talk about them. Oh, I'm not in charge of what's going on Okay, now. so my number one, 
Well, number five, whatever. Uh oh. Is the artwork is important in a good adventure game. Really? Yeah. I either need to, to have an intriguing map or cool coins or something something fun. Um, I mean, what? Components are always important. Okay, you like for, components. Specifically for an adventure game, they kind of help push your imagination in the right direction. Okay. So. All right. Artwork. What are you going to talk about? I'm not doing a list. I'm so not just doing finish a list. your list. Keep going. Well, what if it has something to do with something you're talking about? Ask me a question. Should I read your list? No, your... I have no list. <laughs> 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 Keep going. What do you got? This will really this this will drive my point home. Okay, okay. right here. Um, characters with unique traits. Uh huh. I always like it when my character has a quote too. Right. So my quote, if I'm ever immortalized in a game, should be write it down. And my focus <laughs> would be a one if focus is a trait. This yeah. explains why I have a list, and you didn't want me to do a list. <laughs> okay, what's your number three, Nicole? Of this list I didn't do. Shut up. Um, <laughs> an interesting theme. Okay. Uh, however, I don't care if it's fantasy or <laughs> if it is something else. I would totally play an adventure game set in a modern office building. All Die, right. Die Hard the board game. Why not? Oh. But the theme needs to be utilized throughout. So like <laughs> es- Escape, The Curse of the Temple, for me, is not a good adventure game. No, it's terrible. Yeah, because, well, I mean... It, it, <laughs> it's exciting, but the it's a terrible theme. The theme is you're delving into this tomb and you're nah. getting the gems but and trying to escape with your life. But really, the only actual theme is uh, roll these dice as fast as you can and don't roll poorly. Well, no, the, the only theme You'll is the soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is not good. Exactly. <laughs> so that's important. Right. Um, a lot of variety is important to me. Okay. Uh, the best part of any adventure is going to be the discovery. So if I have six locations and only 25 location cards, right. I'm going to get the, through those pretty quick, and then it's just going to become boring. <coughs> um, and also, like, with Slaughterville, you know, it's great that they've got the 10 different bosses. Right. I'd much rather have two bosses and a million different ways to get to either one of them than have... A million different bosses, and I'm going to take the same path either way to get there. I'd have to. I'd rather have have one boss that I actually fought rather than just waited for the cards to right. run out. <laughs> yeah, and I put my example was here. I am with my <coughs> pistol and or shotgun, and I'm here with my dog and or sidekick that I found along the way. Now, how do I beat this boss? I mean, really, really? <laughs> what? It's just. Um, and then, as far as the mechanics go. If I'm going to roll dice, and I don't dislike dice. You dislike dice, but... um, I do? Usually. (laughs) (laughs) But there should be options as a result of the roll. So let's say for movement, if I roll a six, it should be able to take me either here or there or somewhere else. Mm. Just because I rolled a six, even though it's a roll and move, doesn't mean I should be stuck with one direction, and that's it. That's why Talisman is still kind of an okay game for people. It's like the monopoly of dungeon, or not dungeon, but D&D games, but still. It, that game feels like Trivial Pursuit to me. Kind of, but, you know, at least you have an op- Even with Trivial <coughs> Pursuit, you have an option of which color, you know, Do you want green question. or do you want orange? But at least it's it like gives this. you an option. So, so in Talisman, it's do you want the space you didn't want or do you want the space you didn't want? Yeah, but at least you have an option of what are going to be. Same. Yeah. Feels well, like I'm playing Monopoly the Adventure game. Or not Monopoly, Trivial Pursuit, the adventure game. Same thing on your <laughs> Precious Touch of Evil. If you roll a die and it gives you a but three. You, you can change that. You can use the you move three automatically or you try for the die. 
Anyway. Um, <laughs> but also, one of the things that with this Slaughterville, too, is right. if I am going to roll to determine a win or lose situation, there should always be a perk to winning and maybe a detriment to losing, not just a, oh, and nothing happens. Right. And if that's going to happen, that should be like like an exception, not a rule. It shouldn't be every single card. Right. Nothing happens. <laughs> okay, I'll try this one. <laughs> nothing happens. <laughs> you roll the dice and you don't take damage. That's, I, I that's went your through. benefit. <laughs> I went through. I mean, that's not a benefit. That's a boredom. <laughs> I went through probably 10 cards in a row where I didn't roll correctly. You're so guess what? You're back on Slaughterville. We've nothing already done happened. that review. <laughs> I know you, but the whole point of this was how do you make a better adventure game? How do you make this game a better adventure game? No, the whole point of this was to design an adventure game or concept an adventure game. Okay, well, you've seen what I want. All right, well, are we going to start? Let's do this this game right now. Okay. Back to what I want to do. Okay. (laughs) Rather than what you made up. Thank you for letting me do my list. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I thought I needed it. Do you want to start with mechanics or setting? Setting. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna start we're gonna design our game based around a setting. Okay. okay. Now, what would you what would you think is a good setting? A modern for? office building. Would you like a modern office building? <laughs> this could, this could that could work. I mean, honestly, this would be interesting <laughs> if if it was. Daniel, we really like you. Just no, I mean, I, <laughs> do you want this to be like a supernatural thing or an action thing, or do you want it to be mundane? Mundane. What is this? The office? We're gonna sell paper. We could call it the corporate ladder. <laughs> And you're having an adventure in the corporate office. Okay. Murder in the office? Or what do you want? Is it going to be called the corporate ladder? The corporate ladder. <laughs> okay. okay. That's our that's our adventure game. Is Now we've titled it. It's the corporate ladder. And this is an adventure game in an office building. Now, what is the point of this? Our, what's our enemies? Who is, who's our big enemies? What's our goal? Our goal is to well, our become promoted? Well, our enemy is the glass ceiling. No, I'm just <laughs> is our, is our Is our goal to become promoted to some sort of boss... Are we trying to take over the company from the evil boss that we have, or what are we doing? Yeah, that's the adventure, right? So we're trying to we're trying to have an adventure where we defeat the evil boss, right? He looks a lot like uh, Al Pacino. <laughs> you look like uh, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're defeating Wait. the evil boss. This is called the corporate ladder. We're trying to defeat our evil boss, and are we trying? We're trying to take over as controlling. As the controller, you know, controlling like the president of the company, right? That's our goal. Well, yeah. Is president of the company. Okay. This is now, the most boring game that no one would ever buy. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> okay, here we go. Now, <clears throat> how do you want to handle characters? Because like characters like can be done differently. Like obviously in this last game, we we had just like a card that had some stats on it. And in Touch of Evil, we have a card with some stats on it. And hit points. We could roll up characters. How many players? <clears throat> is this game? Uh-huh, max. Well, I mean, I would say usually if you get if you go over six, you're going you're getting into like we're gonna waste a whole day to playing an adventure game. Okay. So I would so, say one to six. Okay. So <laughs> if there's gonna be six potential players, then we should have twelve potential characters to choose from. Right. Twelve characters? Uh-huh. Now these guys do. Where do they start? Are they are they all in that like entry level? They like this all is a start mail room. In the mail room. This is a janitor. This is a. <laughs> Ooh, that's a not. That's that's good. One of them could be the the mail room. One of them could be the janitor. Um, one of them is the uh, doorman. Yes, and then we could have uh, valet, a coffee getter. 
Gopher? We could have a gopher. Right. So he's uh that would be a production assistant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, we've already de- designed six characters. Okay, right that's there. good enough for now. <laughs> so we got to have six more, but you know. So hey, let me let me ask you this, okay? So this will help us kind of figure this out. Um, how are we going to handle like conflict resolution? What do you want to do? Okay. Rock paper scissors. Because this is the mechanics. This is what we're going to do now. Like no. so obviously there's there's types that like we played just now where you have stats and then you roll dice based off those stats. You have some of them where you all we could do a deck builder where you all start with a generic deck of office worker cards. You could have individual decks like uh, say like Sentinels of the Multiverse or something like that. Uh-huh. <clears throat> how how should we address this? I'm what would make a, a game better? I'm always a big fan of the deck builder. Yeah. But I think dice should play a role somewhere because you always want that luck factor. Okay. But, like, how do we differentiate characters? Do you want a stat sheet? Do you want decks of cards? Do you want... What do you want? What differentiates? Or are we just gray Yeoman Johnson? Everybody's stat is three all the way down the entire list. Yeoman Johnson is a joke about Star Trek. That's yeah, the, what, what you call a red shirt. <laughs> I know that. I'm explaining it to people listening, not you. Oh, okay. Thank you. I don't know. See, now this is where it's getting too complex. Is it? Too well, no. I mean, I just. I, what would make a fun game for you? I like a deck builder. So you want, you would like to have a generic deck of cards for everybody, and they're just employee deck. And then you get well, to the starting add... deck needs to be slightly different based on the employee that you start with. So let's say it's it's an employee deck, and okay. you get to add a. Let's say it's 10 cards or like five cards. It's the employee deck and you get to add five cards that are specific to that character. Okay. That would, that's already better than most deck builders I've ever seen. Just so you know. <laughs> so, so you, it's a deck builder. Right. Now the decks with the cards that you're going to play are going to have dice rolls on them where you're going to, where each, and that, now I'm already liking this idea that it's a deck builder with dice because <laughs> this is this is very similar to another game that I really like, which is Myth. Okay. Myth is a deck builder game. You add cards and take cards away from there, and the, the cards actually designate your movement and attacks. Okay, now right. are we are we playing this? Uh, so we got a deck builder with, with generics. Generics plus <laughs> plus employee specifics. Okay. So everybody has their own color stapler. Okay. <clears throat> right. So you'll have specific stuff like you might have a mop and a mop bucket card and stuff like that if you're the janitor. Or you might have keys to somebody's office from their car <laughs> keys. What good are any of these things? Are we like smacking somebody with the keys? We don't know yet. We're getting there. Okay. <laughs> so we've got a deck builder. Now we're going to have dice. So we're going to have we're going to have some sort of dice rolling mechanics. That do this now. Are we going to base these dice off of now? I always like this. This is what I like better. So I know a lot of dice do these one to one to six dice, and they say, "Oh, a five or a six is a success." I'd rather do just a splat die, you know, where you got like a die and there's blank faces or there's splat faces, or maybe those other blank faces can be something else that that happens. You know what mechanic I've never seen before? What's that? That might or might not work because I'm not a math person, right? Or I'm not. I like math. I'm not good at it. If what you roll a die, yeah, and whatever you roll determines how many cards you get to bring into your hand. So you may only get to bring one new card in. If you roll a six, you may get to bring six new cards in. So how do you move in this game? 
Do you, are we going to have guys on a map? Is that what we're going to do? I don't know. Probably want to if it's an office building. Is it going to be an office building that looks like Flashpoint or something? I don't know. You have different boards for each level that you go up the corporate ladder? Possibly. That just sounds weird. <laughs> what? It's not very adventure Well, this I mean, is, we haven't gotten this to This is that just yet. some kind of like abstract <clears throat> game in my head now. It's not even... We haven't even gotten to that yet. You're, you're jumping too far ahead. You haven't concepted anything and you're acting like it's destroyed already. Well, because it's boring so far. We haven't gotten to the action yet. You're going to take down the corporate boss. How are you getting... What's, what's action-y about it? Okay, so how do you do that? What's the point? <clears throat> who am I taking down before him? I don't know. Who are you taking down before him? Nobody. Todd I was sales? just making stuff up. <laughs> Todd and Sales. <laughs> what? Can't, no. See, this is this is getting out of hand. Is it? I don't like this game. Why? What happened? It got boring. <laughs> you don't like concepting stuff. No. What happened? Okay, maybe it needs to be Die Hard. <laughs> the game. And not take down... The bad, bad guy. Regardless. Okay, so now we're reskinning it into Nakatomi Plaza and you're taking down (laughs) terrorists, okay? (laughs) So we're back onto our card decks and our generic employee decks because you're a generic employee in Nakatomi Plaza. It's called the corporate ladder, but it has nothing to do with that. So I'm just picking up the glass that cut up some guy's feet? I guess. (laughs) But you've got a card deck. The deck thing is cool so far. Okay. We've got this cool. We got this cool idea of deck building like that. We've got this these different types of guys. We've got the title corporate ladder, and you're going to defeat the evil boss who is now terrorists in Nakatomi Plaza because you don't want to concept out how to climb the corporate ladder in this adventure game. It's of, not exciting. Of employment. Trust me. <laughs> okay, so Cole, and you want dice to roll. So when you play a card, dice are fun. Dice give you something <laughs> right. So when you play do. a card, like how are we moving around? We've got this, we've got this gridded off board in this office building, and you need to move around. How do you want to move around? Do you, you don't want to roll dice. You said you hated not being able to move when you wanted to move. Do you still want to roll and move, or do you want to have a movement allowance, or do you want the cards to designate when you get to move and how far? I don't know. What do you think? I'm okay with the dice for moving, but it depends on what your board looks like. Like, I don't mind a base movement stat. I don't have a problem with that. If we have a character card, I mean, I mean, up to this point, all we've, all we've talked about is having some deck-specific cards, but I still think we need that stat sheet that tells you a couple of basic things. Okay. Like, this guy can move this much, you know? Well, the mailroom guy can move at least four spaces, <clears throat> whereas the... I don't know. Who else did we have in this? I don't know. No, you wrote it down. Oh, yeah, I did. I read the janitor, the mailroom, the doorman, uh, the valet. Well, the doorman can't move. The production assistant. He's stuck there at the entrance. <clears throat> no, he's not. Until he gets a promotion. <laughs> he's the one who can lock down that building. Close the garage so you can't get out. <laughs> I don't know what he does. There I, should be a security guard. We're not concepting that far. How do you move? Out with my feet. No, I'm saying, how do you want it? How do you think is the best way to handle movement in an adventure game? What would make the most sense for you? It if depends. You wanted, if you had an adventure game, it depends. Are we? Are we? If you, what kind of deck building it is? It might be. Okay, cards. so so here's what I would think would be the best way to do movement. Why don't you just tell game. me about this game you have in your head? I don't have one. I'm seriously coming up with it right now. Okay, continue. here's what I think would be the best way to handle movement: is that you have a base stat in this game. Plus, it can be modified by your cards. Your cards may award you extra movement, but you at least get to move two spaces every turn. And if you draw the right cards, you get to move more. 
Okay. Right? Sure. You don't think that sounds like a good way to do it? Sure. You're killing me here. <laughs> okay, so I think that's a pretty good way to move. I think that's fun. That, that's neat. But you do have to have, like, I do, uh, as far as, like, equipping your guys and stuff like that with, with weapons to take out these terrorists, you, I think that, do you want to, like, that's one of the problems I always have with deck builders is that you need this sword to come up in, in your, your game, and it doesn't come up when you need it to. Well, it's never going to come up in a deck full of office supplies. So I don't have a problem with this. Like, if you have a gun and you're adventuring or you're going into a dungeon with a sword, you're going to have your sword readied. You're not going to have it buried in some deck and have your fingers crossed that maybe you draw your sword out this turn. Yeah. That's not realistic. So I think that you have to have some sort of equipable cards that maybe could slot around your character card or something like that. You know, you tuck this in here and now you have a machine gun you just stole from the dead terrorist or something like that, right? Are they really terrorists in that movie? I think they took it, took control of it for some sort of terrorist thing. I think it was just to steal money. Wasn't they it? They were bank robbers? I think so. It's been a while since I've seen it. I don't care. <laughs> the, but see, okay, so so there is equipable items because I I think it's ridiculous when you don't have equipable items in these adventure games or when you're like, especially in a deck builder where you're waiting for the right card to come out. Equipment is stuff that's on you and it's ready to be used. The only thing a card does for you is designate how you're going to attack or under what conditions you're going to attack. Like maybe you get extra focused this turn because of this card or something like that. So if you equip your sword, but then you buy a new sword, do you have to, what happens to the, your old sword? Well, you, they, we would, we'd be able to limit how much you could put by having slots to slot in the cards around your guys. So you'd have a hand slot one, hand slot two, and the ones that then, then we would have those two kind of bookended well, up you, to each other so you, you could turn a card sideways if it was a two hand slot. What are you building in your deck? What? What, what, what the, what's the building part of your deck then? Um, I don't know. Where do you get new cards? Is that what you get new cards well, whenever you market. kill people? Whenever you take people out, do you become, you know, more empowered or Ooh. maybe if you uh if you gain access to certain points that are designated in a mission, then you get extra cards like, oh, you you get two more cards that you get to put into here. You killed a guy so you get <coughs> Yeah, but see that puts you just back into that that's what they were thinking with those clue tokens. Right. You killed a guy, you get a clue token. Now you can spend that clue token on lots of things. Okay, but that's what I'm saying. Now it's goal oriented. So as long as you get to this certain point, you would get more cards or something like that. Or are you actually deck building out of it? Are you saying, I'm going to, instead of taking these actions with these cards this time, even though I know that there's some sort of timer in the game, I'm going to spend these cards to acquire another card that goes into my deck. I don't know. And do you, would you rather do it? Is, when you do a deck builder, do you prefer a market, like a, a set stacks of cards? Or do you prefer the random market, like an Ascension or that DC deck building game? Probably the the variable the like the DC deck builder because like your your market continues to grow new things are discovered I love right. the discovery part of it so you like and a like, randomized well I market. love I love Thunderstone the marketplace is kind of a bummer sometimes because the biggest part of the discovery is when you're initially setting up the game right because to know what's going to be on the table yeah if you randomize stuff then you've got these twelve things that are available and that's it that's all, <laughs> okay that's so we've got this random mark random market of deck building cards that you can put in there. They're going to give you all sorts of different upgrades and ability, abilities that would benefit a John McClane, the doorman, or Because, see, whatever. even with Thunderstone, while I think it's a great deck builder, uh-huh. it is not a great adventure game. Right. Okay, so we are, we, we've got a, a, a randomized market, right? Okay, yes. That's how you would like it. 
Random market. Now, when do you get these cards? Do you, you said you didn't want it. All the time. It. You, you want it. Now, I think, I think <laughs> what I said was a pretty good idea. I think so, too. That we instill some sort of timer. So you have some sort of timer, like you're timed. You have this many turns to complete this task. And you can spend, you get this many cards every turn, which you're getting random numbers of cards. And you can spend them either on the actions on the cards, like to enhance your actions on the board, or you can spend them to purchase cards from the market by spending a certain number of cards to match a price on the card. Okay. That sounds like a good idea. Sure. Okay. Write that down. (laughs) I did. Now, is there anything else? I mean, honestly, so now we also have it. So we are going to be doing set missions. Okay, now is there a way that we can randomize the missions or should we do like a this mission's written in a book and you do mission one and it plays out the same as mission one and then you play mission two or is there some sort of way that we can randomize it or do we need to? Random's always better. So you'd like you'd like it to randomize out. Now, how are we going to randomize it? We could randomize the floor plans. Maybe the enemy decks a little bit different every time as to what pops up on the board or I think that. That randomizing the missions might be might work. I don't know how we're going to get story out of this is the problem. Because uh, there's only so much story you can give in Nakatomi Plaza or climbing the corporate ladder. Um, you can have some sort of event card. Like, like, like you could have an event deck where it says you can play. Like if you get a particularly powerful card in your hand, you'd say you get this effect, but you also have to play an event card that's some sort of additional problem or something like that. And that's the only way you're going to get some sort of randomized story out of this situation, I think. Uh, last, I think, um, as far as by beating, beating the big finale, you have to have a big finale. And I think that you are still going to, you can, you can randomize some enemies and elements like that just by having a random enemy deck, sort of like Thunderstone does where you have like, you have level one characters, but they're all randomized up and you're going to draw them randomly out. And what pops up is going to pop up on the map. So that's our adventure game. And this is a deck builder (laughs) called the corporate ladder. Uh, you are trying to defend, you know, your building against a terrorist because you decided not to try to climb the corporate ladder, even though you seemed really excited about that at the start. We're going to play characters, but the characters aren't going to be a big wad of stats. They're going to be primarily just everybody moves two spaces and they have five employee deck cards. This is a deck builder. So you start with a 10 card standard deck builder. Five of those are employee cards that everybody has. The other five are specific to your character. Or let's just say six and four or whatever it is. You know, you're going to have a balance. So you will have specific cards that are specific to your mundane job that you have inside this building to fight terrorists with. You are going to have miniatures on the map that move around with these cards and you will have a random market of cards that are available and play out like Ascension where they're face up and you can see what's available and maybe they're good or not. But you can spend cards either to take the cards actions or you can spend them to uh, to purchase cards from the center. Uh, you do, I guess you do replenish cards when you run out of cards every turn and you decided that the random amount of cards every turn that you would get into your hand would be designated by a die. Uh, you do have to discard your cards at the end of the turn just like a deck builder would and you your next turn you play with who knows how many cards. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This seems like it's That's not something bad. I haven't seen before. I know. It seems like it's going so it goes somewhere. That's our adventure game, The Corporate Ladder. And guess what, Nicole? That is actually our episode. Okay. Hope you're happy. I'm tired. Oh my god, you're ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody get this girl a cup of coffee. <laughs> Anyways. Thanks for joining us and listening to our show. 
Um, if you have something you'd like to say to us, feel free to email us at talkaboutboardgames at gmail.com. Uh, we want to, uh, we want to, you want to know when we do things, you could follow our Twitter. <laughs> How dare you? And also you could like our Facebook page or our Instagram, right? Yep. Uh, if you want to be involved with the content in this podcast, you can join our guild by going to our website and clicking the forums button at the top left of the page. Then join BGG and join our guild. You still have till February 6th to vote on an upcoming featured game. So why wait? <laughs> <laughs> Better do it soon if you want to vote on that. Now, in two weeks, we return when we find out what our lives could be like in board games, or in a board game, <laughs> when we play The Pursuit of Happiness. Thanks for listening. A strange piece of sheet music flutters to the ground from the rafters. Can you make it out? Why am I running away from sheet music? <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.